Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. It's always that one time you need a defense attorney and you just don't know who to call, right? Well, I'm telling you, Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm, he's the best in the business when it comes to a defense attorney. And he's a former prosecutor, so he knows the other side of the courtroom. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, but practices nationwide, has handled litigation in over 19 different states. If you need Manny, theauroralawfirm.com, theauroralawfirm.com. He stops by the show twice a month. Got any questions? Leave it on our hotline, 404-369-3825, or on our social media off podcastthebs.com. How would you like your monthly mortgage payment taken care of for all of 2023? Well, after Stockton Mortgage's Dave Flashner's tip of the day, you'll find out. In the mortgage world, there are lots of FICO models. So your credit score may not be what you see when checking them on the online services. When you close your home loan purchase or refinance with Stockton Mortgage, you'll be automatically entered into a mortgage-free sweepstakes. One prize winner will be chosen to have Stockton Mortgage cover their monthly mortgage payment up to $2,500 per month in 2023. A home loan or refinance might be one of the most important transactions you'll ever make in your life. Go with someone that's reliable, knowledgeable, trustworthy, and always on call. Dave Flashner, Stockton Mortgage, 561-951-0984. That's 561-951-0984. Stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs an ear, and that's why Dr. David Markwell and Ridgeline Counseling are the best at what they do. Ten different therapists who work with Dr. David Markwell at Ridgeline Counseling. If you're in the Georgia area, East Cobb, Marietta, near the square in McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. And they assist with a wide variety of behavioral health issues like anxiety, depression, relationship issues, parenting issues, trauma, substance use issues, etc. Offering virtual sessions. If you can't get to the Georgia stops, the website, markwelltherapy.com. Again, markwelltherapy.com. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. Alright, there it is. Episode 76 of the BS. 76 of these damn things we've done. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissor Studio, sponsored by Stockton Mortgage. That's Dave Flashner, that guy. When you close your home loan purchase or refinance with Stockton, you're automatically entered into that mortgage-free sweepstakes, meaning that if you win, Stockton Mortgage will cover your monthly mortgage payment up to $2,500 per month next year, 2023. That's exciting. You got to do it anyway. Might as well go with Stockton Mortgage and Dave Flashner, 561-951-0984. Stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner dash Flashner. Nader Tater Vaders in Mexico. Hello, Nate. Hola. Hola, hola. How you guys doing? Good. Brandon Thrasher in the Zelensky Studios there in noon in Georgia. How are you? 
What up? Over here playing with my fancy new board. Thank you. What up? What up? Uh, Nate, do you have birds in Mexico? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like parakeets and parrots and um, birds of prey. Got lots of things. Okay. Because in the jungle. Because uh, today's your birthday, right? Yes, okay. it is. Yeah, I know you have to think about that for a second. On how this works. <laughs> well, you know, I've been celebrating all week. No, I can I, I don't do that usually. So today is Nate's birthday. You are 34? 39. 39. God, I was giving you a five-year credit. 39, last year of your 30s. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I was, I, I knew it was your birthday. I have it in my calendar. So I knew for weeks it was your birthday, but I didn't know what to get you. And then I started to think, you know, it's like, well, he doesn't live here anymore. What are the rules? Like the guy rules. If he's not here, do you get him? You know, I'm going to see him when we do podcast in Porsche too. He's going to come in town. So maybe I'll do something then. And then I was like, what am I going to do? Maybe I just Venmo him cash or Zell him cash. He likes cash, but that's not me. I'm not a, I like to give you something. So, um, I, 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 I've been thinking a lot about this, obviously, so I think that what I want to give you for your birthday, but tell me if you like it before I do it, because this is a, a big ticket item. There's a lot that goes into this, is a smart bird feeder. I am in, I'm, I'm just infatuated. I am incest with my smart bird feeder. I love this damn thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that would work here because I, I can't put it on. I can't put it on anything because all my walls are cement. So I'd have to like super glue it or something. No, you can drill into cement. Get those blue, uh, those blue Tapcon, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I don't own the building and I don't have a drill and I don't have those blue things. <laughs> you hang it on your uh, balcony. You could have just stopped it. I don't have a drill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would be cool, but yeah, I mean, the, the birds come and just sit. I mean, this is, I live in the jungle, so they're just sitting on the, uh, the balcony there. And they usually get, we have a glass, uh, like a railing that, around our patio or around our balcony. So a lot of times the birds fly in there and then they get stuck and then Alexis has to like scoop them out. So we, we kind of capture our own birds. Yeah, yeah but the, the smart bird feeder, what's cool about it, it's got the camera and you can, you, you can record the bird eating the bird food, which for whatever reason, and maybe it's a, as you know, the older you get, the more you like shit like this. I have no idea, but I can't stop watching it. And even when the squirrels, which, you know, I hate squirrels. The squirrels are eating my food, and it pisses me off. And people are like, put red pepper in the food. So I've dumped all this red pepper in the food. I, I guess I have squirrels that like spicy food because it's not doing a damn thing. But even when the squirrels are eating my food and I'm watching them, it's kind of cute. <laughs> like I'm like, all right, I don't hate you. You got to eat too. Uh, yeah, go ahead and do it, Mr. Squirrel. I'll buy some more food. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching him. He doesn't know I'm watching him. And it's got a voice thing on there where you can go, meow, 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 or about, you know, you say whatever you want. And the squirrel kind of looks around like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? He has no idea he's on camera. It's like big brother squirrel or bird. It's really cool. So you don't have that. Although you have the birds, this one you can lay in your bed. You could be in your bathroom. You could be in a different part of Mexico and still see your birds on your smart bird feeder. Uh, well, maybe you just give me the log into yours and I'll just watch your birds. You, we, we could do, you'd be okay with that as a birthday prize, just the login information to my smart bird feeder. 
Sure. <laughs> I thought you'd be more excited about this. I'm very disappointed that you're not excited. I, it, it's like going to a petting zoo with uh, goats and pigs and stuff. I've seen birds and squirrels. I, I know what they look like. No, this is. Different. I'm glad you're excited about it though, but I don't know. That it just doesn't grab me, Brandon. You big bird guy. Well, I will say they're. Uh, I like seeing them in the flesh though. You know, my grandma's a big bird person, and I'll sit in her chair and I just watch the birds out there. It's very euphoric. It's it's zen. It's nirvana. You got the chickadees and you got the the mm. red birds and hummingbirds. We got we got oh. we got baby birds turning into cardinals. Baby cardinals turning into cardinals, and you know they start to get the red mohawk. And they're out there eating the food. And you guys have seen the. I think vi- they were born cardinals. I don't, I don't know if they turned into them. Well, I mean they're they're turning <laughs> Pokemon. They're, they're getting the red in them. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> they used to be squirrels, and they're transforming into birds. <laughs> We've got a very odd backyard. Nobody can explain it. <laughs> Found a snake skin the other day, and a turtle was walking out of it. It was just really weird. This is weird. Evolution, baby. So uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching all this stuff. You know, I'm watching the birds eat the bird food, and then, uh, you know, and I got to fill it up every day because the squirrels are eating it, and then it goes into the app. And you guys have seen the pictures and the videos I'm posting, right? I mean, this is really good stuff. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little more old school. I just have binoculars. You know, you millennials with your new gadgets, just going out there, lazy ass bird watchers. You you would think you you would think that uh, if if I've got a smart bird feeder, I could figure out this cord cutting thing. I'm still uh, I'm everybody's saying that it's going to be the best decision I, that that I've made, and I'm I'm going to forget that I even had television. I don't hate it. All right, I definitely don't hate it, but. I haven't gotten into a groove. That's one thing nobody tells you about, you know, that's why I think a lot of people still have satellite TV or cable TV. It's because you've always done it. It's a groove. You turn, you've got one remote control. You hit that, you scroll down, then you bitch and complain that there's nothing on TV. Then you pick up the other remote and you find Netflix. But when you don't have the go-to cable television remote, and you just have the remote to get on Netflix, you're doing the same thing. Ah, shit, there's nothing on Netflix. <laughs> you go to the other thing, but you have the other, you have like three different remotes. I've gone through three universal remote controls from Amazon trying to find one that does my television, does the Roku, and does my soundbar. I can't find one, they, none of them work. Like I try to put, I do the, I hold okay, I hit TV, the light flashes, I put in the code, there's three different codes, you know, try one of them, I try all of them, none of them work, send it back to Amazon. You know, every day I've been up at the UPS store sending shit back to Amazon. I'm like, you know what, this isn't even worth it anymore. I'm just replacing all my televisions. I'm just going to replace them all <laughs> with uh, the, the, the TCL televisions because those are like dummy proof. Um, and I'll figure it out from there, you know. This is, the, this is the printer all over again. Yeah, just like 97 <laughs> laptops instead of just dealing with two remotes. <laughs> well, it's not two remotes. It's three remotes. My television remote doesn't work my sound bar. It just turns the TV on and off. And then I got to use the Roku remote to pick what I want to watch on Roku. I will say YouTube TV is, is the tits. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, Played with it a lot, but I think you can DVR stuff on YouTube TV. And, uh, oh, here's the other downfall or downside is you can't, nobody talks about this with cord cutting. You can't toggle fuck. What do you mean? 
Like back and forth? Yeah, we call it toggle yeah. fucking in our house. So you find a primary, then you have a secondary, and you toggle fuck. And we are Last, big, last, last. Right, we're big toggle fuckers in the Bailey house. And you cannot toggle fuck. I even Googled it. Can you toggle fuck with YouTube TV? And it came up an answer. It says you right now you cannot. There is no back button, previous button uh, that you can hit. So you can't do that, which kind of sucks. Are are there commercials though? There's still commercials. Yeah, they have commercials. They have ads. Yeah, they don't. They 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 have the the digital ads. It's it's the same thing of what radio is going through, trying to catch up with streaming and monetize it. They're trying to figure it out because the commercials that people pay for on network television or on terrestrial radio, they're not paying for the stream, which is a different audience. So both television and radio are trying to figure out how to monetize that. So they sell those separately. You're like, Hey, we'll sell you a blank amount, but a lot of people don't get it. You know, they're like, I don't understand it. Why would I want that? Same way, same issues I have with trying to sell advertising for this podcast. I run into a lot of people that just don't get it, you know, and I I give examples, you know, whether they believe me or not. I'm like, dude, we have a client Rockland contracting. I have to recut his commercials because he's got too many people wanting decks being built and they're all our listeners. They're all two percenters. It works. You know, I guess it's just, it's how you get the message out and so on and so I would, you know, digital advertising is a lot cheaper. That's another thing I tell people when, I pitch advertising for the podcast. I'm like, you know, it's all about volume, right? Volume, traditional advertising. You have uh, radio, television, and print. It's all about volume. The more you hear da-da-da-da-da, the more you're going to know it's McDonald's and you're going to want a Big Mac. Well, in the digital space, the podcasting space, it's not so much the volume, um, but it's about the direct content to ear, you know, that's over, I think it's like 64, 65% of podcast listeners listen through the commercials, you know, and for our non-subscribers, you get the commercials, but the, you know, the subscribers that we have, the premium two percenters, they don't get the commercials. So I'm assuming digital advertising with YouTube TVs 10 times, if not 20 times cheaper than with a network. Um, I would assume, I would think so. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, they, they still have to make deals with these big, uh, you know, big networks and everything. So I, I don't know what kind of deals they're getting. But yeah, I, I still watch the commercials on. Actually, my wife always fast forwards them. And I'm like, no, I, I like the commercials because it gives me a break to get on my phone and like check my messages and stuff. Um, but she likes to fast forward through them. But I watch them. Well, that's the thing. You get on your phone and then you forget what you're watching and then you get sucked into <laughs> your phone and. And then if we're trying to watch something together, we yell at each other if the other person's on their phone. And it's like, this is not phone time. Get off your phone. You got to just, you know, break free from it for a little. Like, I turn my phone off about 8 o'clock. Like, I just mute it. I don't turn it off, but I just mute it. And I'm not on it, you know. I'll, there's a lot of people that stay up late. Like, somebody texted me the other night at, like, 1045. It's like, Jesus, that's a little bit too late to be texting, don't you think? It's, that's, that's email time. Right? That's no. the point of a text. Huh? That's the point of a text. You text them and they'll see it in the morning. Now, if they're calling you at 1045, that's a problem. But that's what a text's for. See, I would disagree with that. You know, and I know you guys aren't big email guys, and I'm the email guy. But I think if you're going to look at it as three tiers, phone call. The, the rule used to be you don't call somebody after, I think, 6 p.m. 
because 6 p.m. was dinner time and you didn't want to be rude. So you didn't call it. I mean, this is back in the day day, right? And then after that, you're getting ready, you're winding down, you're getting ready for bed. So, if, you know, the phone time for a person's house, like the residential, not business, but residential was kind of like nine to five, close of business. You know, you, you just wouldn't call after that. Texting most people, I, th- I would think, their phone has a noise, has a sound for notifications when you text. I don't think most people have a notification, a sound when you get an email uh, because you're going to receive more emails than you are text messages. So you're going to make a noise one way or the other. If I'm woken up at 1030 or 11 o'clock at night, I can't go back to sleep for at least an hour. If I can even go back to sleep, that's a problem that I have. So I would say after 7 p.m., unless it's really important and it's somebody close to you, that's email. That's, that's, that's the email world. Yeah, I think most people don't have their sound on. Um, yeah, my, and everything I have just vibrates. Calls, text, emails, oh, I'm a Instagram, I'm everything. A sound, I'm a sound guy. Yeah, yeah no. Turn it, I mean, why do you need it on if you're asleep? Well, I don't. I turn it off. That's what I'm saying. That's what that's the problem is. I'm, I'm saying most people have sound on for their text. No, not when you go to bed. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't had my, mine is always on mute, maybe vibrate, but I haven't had a ringtone or a sound or anything since like the early 2000s. There's oh. no reason. Well, <laughs> my, my ringtone is Daft Punk Get Lucky, you know, so that's. <laughs> you know yeah, but yeah like te- texts are like time shift you you just send it whenever and then you respond whenever like whenever you're available i think well i disagree and if you do that to me i'm blocking you so that's it i'm just gonna block sounds you. like a you problem sounds like you need to mute it it's my phone it's my rules i mean it's like no it's not your phone you, you rent it from the company Company, no, basically no i bought my phone i do not rent my phone i bought my phone i purchased okay well you don't own the service then i do it's jason mobile it's a new service no. it's coming to a city <laughs> near you <laughs> right now we're just servicing my community in roswell <laughs> but, but it sounds like you just need a new roku remote because the roku remotes um you can turn off your soundbar tv on and off you can control the volume you can do all that. and actually you can search things by via voice you just press the button and you tell it you just search what you want really where do what where does one find one of these remotes uh roku's website that's a good place to start yeah you're a detective all right. well i just ordered <laughs> yeah, a, i just ordered a new one from amazon that I think might do the trick. It's a little pricey though. It's twenty four. It was twenty four ninety nine. So I just bought one of them. I want to give it a shot. Should be here in the next couple of days. Uh, I think that one might be the ticket. You know. Oh shit! I forgot to call my biological brother. Shit! He had texted me the other day, and he was like, "Don't do Roku. Don't do Fire Stick. Duh, do Apple TV." And no. Oh, just own that man. <laughs> I, I just, I just became a part of the guy's life after all these years. I don't want to disown him for that. Um, no, you, you use Roku or, I mean, fire stick is probably the best because it's open source. So you can download apps that aren't on the store. You can, you know, install things where you don't have to pay for any, any movie channels or anything like that. That's definitely the way to go. Well, I forgot to call him back. I feel horrible. I just, I just, I know what a dick. This is the first, we're going to have our first fight. Why (laughs) why didn't you call me back? I have an Apple TV. I've never used it. 
You know, the problem. Yeah, nobody else does either. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. And I'm an Apple guy. You know that. But I got to tell you, I wasn't a fan of it. You know, and, and what Apple does, and they do this with all their products, is that, oh, God, I just got cramped. What they, they do is they, they'll put, you know, like I have like the first generation, which is ancient history. And then they'll say, oh, well, the first generation doesn't work with any updates. You got to buy a new one now. You know, fuck you. You know, so I, I can't do it with all my devices. Uh, and I have no desire to link the television. That's another problem. I don't want to link my television up with my computers and my text messages and all kinds of shit. Like I'm going through that now with certain laptops I have that are linked up to my my stuff. I'm trying to unlink them because I'm taking them out to the uh, Atlanta Open Tennis Tournament for the My Court Caddy booth. And I don't know who's going to be on the laptop. And I don't need them going through my text messages. I don't need them going through my emails. You know, some, yeah. some privacy. You get this Roku Remote Pro, and it's got a headphone option too, and it's rechargeable. And if you lose it, apparently uh, it's got a little beeper on it. Okay, so that's brilliant. I've said this for not years, decades. Somebody has to make a rechargeable remote. It blows me away that all this time no one's ever done that. It also blows me away that the remotes, at least that I got with DirecTV, don't light up. Who the? Why would you not have a light or at least an option for your remote to light up? Because you're usually watching television and it's dark. And unless you memorize all the fucking buttons, then how do you know what you're pushing? So then you got to pull out your phone's flashlight, right? Or you got to get a certain way where the light from the TV shines. It's a pain in the asshole. So uh, good for you, Roku. Roku Pro Remote, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, but now I'm kind of looking at these reviews, and people aren't very happy. Saying it doesn't hold a charge. The headphones are a little staticky. Have to reconnect it like once a week. We can get it. Yeah, that... Yeah, that's why they don't do the battery charge. Because if it, if you go and grab the remote and it's dead, then you got to wait, a, you know, an hour till you can watch TV. Batteries, you just pop them in, you go, ready to go. Well, you have batteries as a backup, kind of like an electric car or a battery or a hybrid. You know, you, seems like a lot of work. <laughs> it's not. We can get eight. We can get eight K picture. We can. We just got pictures of uh, the farthest we've ever seen in space from that web uh, whatever telescope. We can look at other galaxies, but we can't fi- have a remote that charges properly. <laughs> I mean, come on. But what, your remote, what, you got to replace the batteries once every five months? Is that a big issue for you? <laughs> when you're on a budget, Nate, yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> but the, the headphone jack actually works good. I've had that for like seven years, and it's great, especially like if your wife falls asleep, then you plug in the headphone jack and you listen to you can listen to the show in the bed and it doesn't wake them up. It's oh, nice. That's, that's fantastic. That's like great. an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. My, my first wife made me, I was so embarrassed. I was so angry. She made me get uh, Bluetooth. This is when Bluetooth first came out. Like, well, not first came out, but it started to become a thing. Bluetooth headphones for the television. Now, I still had a box TV at the time. And, you know, you would, it was the red and yellow, you know, the AV cables. You plug it into the back and it had a charger that it sat on. But I was working nights, I think, when we first met. So I wasn't getting home until midnight. And she had a normal job. And so she had to get up at like 7, 7.30. And I wouldn't fall asleep until 1, 1.30. Sometimes I'm doing gigs, so I might not be home until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And I want to watch TV and fall asleep to the TV. And she was like, I can't have this noise. This is just not happening. You got to buy headphones. I was pissed. Who the f- Who are you to tell me... I- headphones in my own house in my like 
Headphones weren't a thing, right? I mean, we're talking early 2000s. You weren't wearing headphones in your house. Uh, and I remember yeah. sitting in bed and wearing these big fucking cans on my ears. Like, this sucks. I hate this. Yeah, I had this same thing. It was, yeah, there, was, there were like our headphones, and then there was like the receiver and the, the yeah. sender and stuff. You had to have these two different boxes. It was ridiculous. You had a bunch of shit that you had to do. I don't know if I was more angry that she told me I had to do it, and I wasn't used to that, or that I, even though nobody saw me, I just felt stupid laying in my bed with headphones. I just felt goofy. You know, and then you'd fall asleep. Then you'd fall, like, you want to fall asleep watching TV, but you don't want to fall asleep wearing headphones. That's even dumber. Yeah. And you almost couldn't because they were so bulky, you couldn't turn over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you'd fall asleep sitting up, and then when you'd roll over, you'd be like, oh, fuck, I got headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the most common unused gadgets we won't throw away. There's a nice list of these things. Would you guys like to start? guessing on the top gadgets we never use but we won't throw away i'm i used to be not so much anymore but i used to be the king of this oh i remember when i moved places in orlando from uh the house the koi ponderosa house to the bachelor condo in um what was that place called nate that i lived oh um baldwin park Baldwin, yeah. Yeah, Baldwin Park. Yeah, Baldwin Park. Uh, I had all this stuff. And that's when I adopted the theory, if if I haven't seen it, touched it, used it, thought about it in a year, I'm getting rid of it. And we went through, and it was Bull was there. Prince was helping me. Jim Van Fleet, the meteorologist at Fox 35, was helping me because he had a truck. And we were going through finding so much old technology. And it was tough for me to get rid of. Because I had the mindset of, this might be worth something someday, you know? Yeah. And But I was like, no, fuck it. I'm getting rid of it. And we just fucking threw it all away. So top gadgets we never use but won't throw away. Go ahead, Nate. Uh, I would say a DVD player or even a VCR maybe. Yep. The DVD, DVD player is number one. When was the last time oh, you watched wow. a DVD? I couldn't even tell you. Most laptops don't even have, um, you know, like a DVD, nope. CD-ROM in them anymore. No, they do not. Uh, but I, I still have my DVD player and my VCR just because I do still have VHS tapes and DVDs, usually burnt ones. Um, but I, w- without that, I can't watch it. It's like obsolete technology. <laughs> the new, the new um, MacBooks, the laptops, they don't even have uh, USB ports in them anymore, which... I don't know why, because there's USB ports are still relevant. Yeah, uh, that's why. That's one of the reasons why I won't get a new laptop from them, is because I, I want a USB port. <laughs> I was like, who? Well, it probably has. Them? It probably has a USB C, and then they want you to buy an adapter to be able to plug in the USB ports. That's what Apple does usually. Oh. Or they want you to buy that like three hundred dollar dock that goes into your Lightning port. Oh, maybe. yeah, yeah, same same idea. Yeah, Brandon, when's the last time you watched a DVD? Oh, I don't know. I really can't remember. I remember I used to love DVDs, though. I had the little mini mini one that you could, uh, for uh, car trips, road trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little, like, 10-inch screen. Yeah. <laughs> love that thing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a portable one as well. I thought it was the coolest fucking thing ever. It was like, yeah. a, it was like a brick, right? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, look at that. Andrew Sparks just texted me. Just got another customer. Thanks again for allowing me to be part of the brand of awesomeness. Oh, that's sweet. I love it when our sponsors get clients. 
I love yeah. it when we get new clients, which is easier said than done. But I love hearing uh, the people that trust us with their brand get clients, and it's the full circle. Somebody needs assistance. They're listening to us. They trust us. They go with a sponsor of this show because I will be honest with you, people that sponsor this podcast do it for numerous reasons, not just ROI, return on investment, which you would think that's why you advertise because you want to make money. But people do it to support. They, they, They believe in us. They believe in what we're doing. You know, and we're just getting bigger and bigger. I mean, I posted the other day that we, for, oh, I'll get to that later. But anyway, uh, what's another uh, top gadgets we never use but won't throw away? Brandon? Uh, radio alarm clock. Ooh, that's a good one. Not on here, uh, but that's a good one. I have uh, my old one that I had that my mom gave me when I was like eight. Mm-hmm. It's just underneath my current alarm clock, which is going bad now. So I got to get another one. But it just sits there. I just, I use, I use my, uh, my uh, Echo. My, my Amazon thing, but, I, but I, I hit a setting that when my alarm goes off, cause I, every day I get up either about, I set my alarm for like six fifty two or seven twelve. I always have odd numbers. That's my thing. And, but I always get up about that time. Uh, either if I'm going to play tennis or we're going to record or doing something, I got to get up early. I, I, I cannot sleep in. It drives me insane. And so, uh, there's, I, I, I did something where it gives me a note. It tells me about my entire day. Like, he's like, shut up. Like, so the alarm goes off and you go, oh, you know, off. And then it turns off and then it goes, good morning, Jason. Today's weather is going to be uh, a high of 94 degrees, slightly cloudy. By the way, you have plans to go meet Sean at Pontoon Brewing at 9 a.m. We hope you enjoy your trip. By the way, right now, traffic on, I mean, it tells me everything. I'm like, shut up enough. I can't turn it off. I'm like, I go, stop telling me this stuff. You must go into your app and change it. And I was like, Oh, he lost me there. Uh, so that's not one. Let's go through some of these and then I'll, then I'll rattle them off. Nate. What, what about old, uh, like cell phones? Yeah. Like I have like every cell phone I've had for like the last 10 years. Yeah. That's number, (laughs) that's number two old phones. Uh, you've got how many? Oh, I probably have 10 of them. 10 of them. I mean, I, yeah, I've I've had them for 10 15 years. Let me guess the reason why you still have them is because you're afraid that the data on the phones will get into the wrong hands. Even though you can destroy them or erase them if you could find a charger, uh and probably nobody would go through them anyway, but that's the reason why you still have them. That's definitely a thought in my mind, but it's usually I get a new phone and uh, I just take the chip out of it and then I forget to clean it off, the old one off. And then by then it's like a year later and it's not worth anything and it's not even worth trying to sell. Yeah. How many phones you got, Brandon? Uh, I got, I think I have about four, four total. You know what I did? I was up at Paradise City the other week. Uh, we have to have a, a home phone there. Cause it's part of the cable internet service. Like they will not allow you not to have a phone. And I asked them why and they said, because of emergencies and bad cell phone service. So they're doing it as like a public service, which I was like, all right, that's cool. You know, but they're charging you for it as well. I picked up the phone and I just called a random number just because I had not picked up a cordless phone in a house. And I can't, tell you how long i just wanted to see what it felt like again <laughs> so my was like hello or hello i was like uh is bill there no you got the wrong number but you, you know somebody up there was like but have a great day you know and if you want to meet up later on <laughs> very nice people 
Uh, all right, Brandon, give me another one. There's like 10 on here. Um, old, old microwaves. No, microwaves not on here. Nothing uh, appliancey is on here. Kitchen appliancey. What about like a, um, like an old iPod or uh, just digital music player? Yeah, so uh, MP3 players that didn't make the top 10, that was MP3 players. Um, CD players is on here at six. And when was the last time you listened to a CD? I couldn't tell you. I don't have a, any way to play, even without a CD player. I don't even have a car. Or and when I did, it didn't have a CD player in it either. So not not for a while. You know what I did for the first time? I've never sought out a streaming service for a specific piece of new music. Uh, the entire album. I've never per, like I've never gone and said, "Hey, look, I want to listen to this." Right. It's just kind of whatever comes, just whatever comes comes on. Like if I'm listening right. to Spotify. But with Shinedown's new album, Planet Zero, I wanted to listen to it. And by the way, I, I've gotten through most of it. It's really good. Really, really good. It's a concept album. Reminds me a lot of um, Queen's Rights Empire, if anybody remembers that. It was very concepty. And so they like they have breaks in between the songs that, you know, say certain things. And it's very much about today's world and how Brent's feeling and all that kind of stuff, the band's feeling. But I'd never done that before. And I was like, God, this is so easy. <laughs> I was like, I thought terrestrial radio had problems before just with the, the, the battle with streaming music, but holy shit. I mean, if I'm sitting there seeking out an entire album, which is going to take me, let's say for conversation's sake, an hour to listen to, that means I'm not listening to anything else. So that means radio, you're not getting my watermark in your frequency uh, to put on your personal people meter so you can get a rating for every five minute and a quarter hour. I'm listening to this entire album that I just purchased for two ninety nine <laughs> or whatever it was. Uh, it was crazy. So here's some other ones. Digital cameras. Uh, you remember the, that, that Sony one, like the first one that came out, that big Sony one that took the mini, di- uh, the, the floppy disk, the three and a half? Yeah. Yep. That's really, what, like any, any digital camera, nobody really used uses digital cameras anymore because your phone's so good. I think I have five of them. Um, <laughs> but they're all the the waterproof cameras. So, like, when we go to the Bahamas, every year I'd buy a new one because they would get better. You know, like, the technology would get better. So, uh, I've got, like, five of them. You know, some, you know, they, they, in, they went up in price over the years. Like, the first one was from, uh, like, Coleman, who makes coolers. But they made a, a waterproof camera. For some reason, I have one. <laughs> but I've got all these. Da- I saw every every year, you know, when we go to the Bahamas or even when we're going to Mexico, I'll pull one out. And I'm like, I think last trip, I was like, we're not going to use this. But we bought uh, Ariel one and she didn't use it. You know, she didn't have an SD card. So I had to go to the, uh, the, the, the gift shop at Atlantis. They charged me like $60 for a 16 megabyte uh, SD card. Jesus. I know. And she never even used it. Uh, old televisions. That's another gadget we never use but won't throw away. Old oh, we TV. got a box TV. You do? Yep. Yeah. With, uh, it's got a VCR sitting on top of it. It's in the guest room in the corner. Is it plugged in? <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Yeah, just there for show. Yeah. It's like your yeah. museum room. Old, old TVs now are difficult to get rid of because 
if you try to sell them, you're not getting much for them because TVs are so inexpensive. So going back to my cord cutting and replacing some of my TVs, I've got great TVs. I got a 65 inch, I got a 55 inch and you know, they're not brand new, but they work just great. Somebody's going to give me $50 for it. Maybe tops. Yeah, I don't feel like that's a, a th- I mean, obviously we all have old TVs because they're expensive. You don't replace them a lot, but I don't feel like it's a thing that you have that you don't use because if you have an old TV, you're use, usually using it. Uh, Yeah, or it's somewhere to be used, right? Like it's in a guest room or it's somewhere like, like we have older televisions in our guest room for our guests. It's never used, but it can be used. Right. But even if you, you, it would still not be used if you had a, a new TV in there. Yeah. I just think it, it's a oh. weird thing. Oh, I forgot my dad. I just forgot my dad still has a box TV in his room. Uh, for some reason, he likes it. He watches a lot of TV in the living room, but when he goes to bed, he likes to have it on on the History Channel, so he falls asleep, but he's still got a box TV in there. It worked? <laughs> I mean, you, I, I didn't yeah, think, because they're analog, I didn't think that you could use them with the digital technology. Yeah, it still works somehow. I don't know. He's got the regular, uh, we got the Spectrum box, and it just plugs in the back. Hmm. Remember a couple of years ago, they came out and they said, you have until this date, if you want your TV, you got to buy a converter or the shit ain't going to work. Remember that? Yeah, it converted from digi- or from analog to digital, right. but if he has a Spectrum box, it's already doing that. So it's just, you can't do, I don't think you can do the rabbit ears anymore right. with one of the older TVs. Uh, there's a bunch of old people that are pissed off. They haven't watched television in 10 plus years because of the <laughs> damn change. Is Pat Sajak still alive? Uh, headphones, another top gadget we never use but won't throw away. Uh, like old earbuds, tons of them. Got them laying around everywhere. Yep, yep. Same thing with cables. I'm, I have tons of cables that I would don't even go to anything anymore. But I'm like, what if I have something that needs an old... Uh, ribbon cable for a printer or something you know, like who knows? my most unusual yeah the the printer cables you know that thick usb port thing and uh the do you remember zip drives yeah okay and there would be like a cartridge you'd put in them mm-hmm. okay the the power cable for that or the cable that would go into the I have like eight of those things. <laughs> I think I still have zip drives. I don't even know. I remember I used a zip drive for production in the early 2000s. That's what we'd have to use. It was before we got Pro Tools. There was a piece, there was software we used. It was called like Spectrum. It was the biggest piece of shit audio software ever. And each production stage or dock or whatever had a zip drive and you would have to have your own zip drive and you'd put it in. It was like, I mean, this is early two thousands, you know, so outdated. And then they went to networking and pro tools and max and it was so easy, but you couldn't figure it out because you're so programmed to jump through all these hoops to get shit done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, they were like revolutionary at the time because you know, floppy drives um, were like one and a half megabytes and then those zip drives were like, I think they started out at 100, went up to 750. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, printer, original. Printer is another top gadget uh, we never use but won't throw away. I, I disagree with that. I'll throw away a printer in a fucking heartbeat. I got no problem with it. 
Yeah, but you you actually use a printer. Nobody else does, so their printer just sits in the the corner and does nothing. No, you don't use a printer, Brandon. No, nobody uses a printer. That's why there's only three at Best Buy now, and they're all like two dollars. No, there, there's more. The reason why there's three at Best Buy is because they're all sold out. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, no, you you are wrong, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Uh, mainly, students use printers. So at, no. the, at the beginning of the school, yes, at the beginning of the school year, if you go into a Target or a Walmart or a Best Buy or something like that, you will find that the printers are sold out. And it's they'll tell you that. They told me that. Um, but people in office buildings, I mean, you go to close on a house, you got paperwork to sign. You know, you go to yeah, a lawyer. You do it online now. It's same thing with school. You email your assignments. You upload your assignments. Same things at work. You send an email. You send a PDF. Nobody, nobody prints anymore. Well, that's not like closing a house. They have not caught up with that. Even though you can docu-sign every document leading up to your closing papers, you have to, as they call it, wet sign things. So uh, I've always complained about that, but that is that is a true statement. So you get a nice big packet of papers. Uh, old laptops is another gadget we never use, but don't throw away. Yeah, yeah like two of those. You know, old laptops. Um, old gaming consoles. Uh, that so the old gaming consoles, I think people keep because they think they're going to be worth something at some point. In which they're probably correct. I have an Atari twenty six hundred with a bunch of games that's just in storage. I also kept my original Nintendo sixty four with all of my games because personally, I thought the Nintendo sixty four was the best gaming console out there. I thought the, the games. The best wrestling game of all time is that WCW Revenge game. And uh, I, I don't have it hooked up, nor do I want to fiddle with it to hook it up. But I've had that damn thing for 20 years, just tugging it around with me everywhere I go. Yep, I have to say, I got a Nintendo 64. I think that's true maybe with some of the, the older gaming systems, but the newer ones, there's so many made, they're they're not going to be worth anything. And then now that ROMs exist it's uh, it's really not going to be a thing, I don't think. We don't even buy games really anymore for the gaming systems. You just you buy them online and you download. Yeah. Them. You know, it's 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 they don't even sell the games, uh, and and it, it, that's the, that's where they get you because then you got to add a uh, an external hard drive to your Xbox or your PlayStation. Jeremiah fucking samples. Uh, one of his kids came over not that long ago to help out. It was like on a Sunday, and I was like, oh, that's very nice, and um. Uh, and, uh, I said, uh, so I, I was, I knew that he'd probably throw him some cash, but I, um, I went up to the store and bought him some, you know, an external, I was like, what do you need? And he's like, I need an external hard drive for my Xbox and so on and so forth. Anyway, uh, see old tablet. Oh, by the way, there, the Atari 2600, there are some games that are worth a lot of money, especially if you have them in the packaging. If you've got them in the packaging, that's weird, but awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there was one game that I had that I do not have now because I do not have my original games in the Atari 2600. I remember when my mom sold them all. Actually, you know what? I gave them to my brother for whatever reason, and I'm sure he fucking sold them. I have no idea. But there, one of my favorite games from the Atari 2600 was a game called River Raid, and it was a purple cartridge with white, you know, Atari lettering, River Raid. That that game, the original, I think there was two of them that they put out. The The one that I had is worth a couple thousand dollars if you have it now. 
How do you know you had that one? Because I, it, well, it was because it was my favorite game, and I can I have a photographic memory. I I remember the night that I got it, uh, and I I was at my cousin uh, my aunt Evelyn's house. My cousin Becky and I were playing Atari Twenty Six Hundred, whatever game we were playing, and my mom came over to get me, and she brought me the she bought me the game. And we went and played it, and I fell in love with it. It was my favorite game on the that and Kaboom, my favorite games. But Air Raid, I remember. I remember exactly what it looked like. I remember getting it. I remember where I was standing, the smells, everything. I remember getting it. Yeah, but you said there was two different ones. That's why I didn't know how you know because the the, the, the other one was not the purple. It was a different color. Okay. Well, I'm looking at it, and it's worth twenty eight dollars today. No, 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 no. There's a di- there's 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 a different. I know for a fact because I, I there's a different air raid or river raid. Is it air raid or river raid? Um, that's worth a couple thousand dollars. There's a couple of these games that Atari Twenty Six Hundred that are very valuable. I would I would I would guess. I don't know for a fact. E. T. Because that allegedly is the game that killed Atari. Uh, is if you have an E. T. game or especially one from the dump site and you're able to find one in the trash that they dumped out because they were so mad at the game. That's probably where it, can you imagine having the original ET game in box that was made in the factory? That's badass. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, didn't there was like that documentary on Netflix a couple of years ago yeah. where they went and did they, I can't remember. Did they find them or did they, I don't remember. I thought they, I thought they proved that that story was real, but I don't, I don't know if they found it. Cause it, the story was that they dumped them out in the, uh, I think the Arizona desert, like dug a hole and buried them. Yeah, they, they they like a funeral. It was a it was a bad game. It was a horrible. I remember playing that game. It sucked. You know, you're like, how do you go from these great games to this? Like, I just that that was so bad when they put that together. But that like the idea behind the the creating the game was they were trying. They were told they were forced to create the game in a short period of time, so they could uh, benefit off the success of the movie. And so the, they did the best that they could with the time that they had, and they just put out shit. Didn't realize how much of a backlash that they were going to get. <laughs> yeah, because I believe the documentary interviewed the creator of it, and it, yeah. like he was talking about it, how they the movie had came out, but they were trying to get it before the Christmas rush, and they were already marketing the game before it hadn't even started yet. So the guy was like, I had like three weeks or something to make this game, and it, yeah, yeah. it just wasn't good. <laughs> uh, some uh, other things on here, old tablet devices, top gadgets we never use but won't throw away. I've got a couple of those. I got a couple of iPads and yeah, I got, a, I got a Samsung tablet that came with my Samsung S five back in the day. I, think that, I can't remember what it's called, but it wasn't the greatest. Yeah. I, I had a, I got a free tablet. Uh, I had a non Apple phone at one time and they gave me a free tablet when I got the phone. I had that damn thing brand new in the box, never used for the longest fucking time. I think I gave it away, you know, yeah, I think you gave it to me. Oh, did you ever use it? <laughs> no, I sold it, but it wasn't worth <laughs> a lot. Like, it was funny because I think we sold it to some lady on eBay or something for like 20 bucks because it wasn't worth anything because it was like seven years old. And I remember her complaining that it was slow. And I'm like, well, yeah, it was $20 and it's seven years old. It's going to be slow. <laughs> That's funny. I've got a couple <laughs> iPads and uh, the exception of one of them, they're junk. I mean, you can't do anything. You can't download new apps. It won't update because that's what Apple does. 
And, you know, that has the old, um, our buddy uh, Tim Wendell in Orlando that uh, was a fan of uh, the radio show there and listens to the podcast. He's a big tech guy. And I remember going on Facebook and saying, does anybody have an old iPad uh, that I could have? Because I just needed something to just to play music, uses like an MP3 player uh, for my speakers out by the uh, patio. And he was like, yeah, I got an old iPad too. If you want it, it's still in the box, practically brand new. He's like, I don't think it updates. I was like, yeah, sure. Free. Cool. Thanks. Sends it to me. Damn things like brand, it is brand new, but it's, it's, it doesn't update. So I could, I couldn't, I couldn't put like Spotify. I couldn't put any apps on there. <laughs> so I, I think the only, the only music that worked was, uh, uh, iTunes, which doesn't even exist anymore. So it was like uh, Apple Music is the only thing that uh, works. I don't even have an account. I use my daughter's stuff. E-reader. Just listen to that, that one U2 album that they put on there. Yeah, or, yeah. The, or, the, chili, the, fourth, or, yeah. or the Chili Peppers. Yeah, the, one yeah. of the two things. Uh, uh, e-readers and camcorders and Blu-rays and record players and old speakers or other top gadgets that we use, but we never throw away. So maybe they'll be worth something someday. Who knows? All right, uh, let's, shall we, talk to our guest. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. So if it's personal injury, wrongful death, contracts and transactions, landlord and tenant disputes, or just general civil litigation, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC is where you need to go. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC. And here's Tyler's tip of the day. If you're on someone else's property for a reason other than business, the owner is only liable if they intentionally hurt you. So if you're over at someone else's house for a party, make sure you don't trip down the stairs. Because even if the owner is found negligent, you still can't recover. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC, serving all of Georgia. Next time, talk to Tyler. In the market to build a mountain home or cabin in western North Carolina, Mac Development Group. These are the people that you need to call. These are the people you need to talk to. MacDevelopment.com is the website currently booking for full-time builds, and they're looking for you to get on the schedule today, providing a premium product in the Western Carolina market, and they are the premium builder in the area. Putting everything together in this amazing 3D software, the process is easy, and it's a one-stop shop with Mac Development Group. MacDevelopment.com. I want you to call my wife. But not for those reasons, you weirdo. I want you to call my wife, Rachel Guy, because you want to participate in this crazy market that's happening right now and take advantage of a house. She is the best at doing what she does, and that is a realtor with Keller Williams Atlanta North Office. Anybody that's dealt with my wife, and I know a lot of you two percenters have, uh, she's absolutely amazing. I can tell you firsthand, you know, if you're a first-time home buyer, she's going to walk you through it. If you've done this numerous times before, you might learn something. She's great. So if you're looking to buy or sell, call Rachel Guy because she's your guy. 404-797-4600. That's 404-797-4600. Let's keep it before 9 p.m. All right, some of you call fairly late. It's a little annoying. No offense. Stress-free buying and selling and like I said, this crazy nutso market. You can also shoot her an email. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. And back to you, Jason. (laughs) 
Nate, I think this is the conversation we've been wanting to have for a very long time, growing, well, living for the most part of our lives in or around the Space Coast in Florida, loving the space program. Then it just all kind of went away. There's one incident in particular I'll talk about here with our guest that was like one of the saddest moments in my life. Uh, but our guest is Lori Garver, who is the former deputy administrator of NASA. And she's got this book. It's called Escaping Gravity, My Quest to Transform NASA and Launch a New Space Age. It's a tell-all about the birth struggles and triumphs of the commercial space flight program. And Lori, the book could probably be 10 times longer just talking about the struggles that the space program has had over the years, correct? Indeed. It, it was longer initially, but publishers have uh, their own thoughts on that. Yeah. So growing up, uh, well, not gro- living in Orlando most of my life and having friends that worked over at, at NASA and whatnot, uh, you know, pretty much put food on the table for most of the people living in Titusville and the surrounding areas. And then, you know, when the space program just kind of went away, we would take deep sea fishing charters right off the coast where you could see where the launch pad is, where we would go to, you know, time and time again to watch, watch, watch the shuttles go up. And it was just all weeds and there was like no activity. And I'll never forget that day. And it was just the saddest thing ever going, did we just give up on our space program? Maybe you can answer that. So are you referring to when the shuttles were retired or after Apollo? Well, no, way after Apollo. I'm talking about probably in the mid-2000s. I mean, you know, like, I think for the layman, people think that, you know, post-Bush going into Obama is when the space program really was at its lowest point. Now we look at the privatization of space program and the uptick in just a different direction. But, you know, I'm 47 years old, so I wasn't there glued to my television during the moon landing, but I was there, you know, when the the Challenger exploded and there it was a national tragedy and the patriotism that comes along with our space program. But I'm also old enough to see how that deteriorated over the years. Sure. Well, you put your finger on it there. I mean, the Challenger accident and then being followed by the Columbia accident were the reasons that the Bush administration uh, said we had to retire the space shuttle program. They directed it be retired in 2010. And of course, one of the things I talk about in the book is how uh, coming in with the team Obama running NASA's transition team, the first thing I did was go, now this is 2008, to the head of human spaceflight program, Bill Gersemeyer, and say, can we extend the shuttle? And they said, Absolutely not. It has been canceled. We are retiring it. We have already let go third-tier suppliers, probably some of those friends you know. Um, And it it has been difficult over time to have myself as well as uh, the Obama presidency be known as ending that when we inherited the program on decline. And I think piecing together the commercial space launch program that we have today came out of the ashes of that policy. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure after two accidents and the cost, we could have extended the shuttle, even if Bush had not uh, retired it. But I asked if we could fly anymore. We had two more tanks. 
We flew two more to make sure the space station, you know, was fully, uh, had all its supplies it needed, and then put our money into the private sector that we knew could not only bring back the Cape, you know, because the, the programs that we're launching now aren't all just funded by the taxpayer. We had lost all of that commercial launch market to the French, Russians, and Chinese, and now we've won it back. Yeah. How, how political is the space program currently and how political was the space currently uh, was the space program, you know, decade or so ago? Well, I mean, the space program is political to the extent it's funded by the government. Politics is the way we, you know, determine how to um, tax and spend the public's money. Partisanship, which you may be asking about is quite different. I, we typically say space is more parochial than partisan. Members of Congress, senators tend to support space if they've got it in their districts, not if they're Republicans or Democrats. But we are becoming more and more partisan as a nation. And I saw that on my watch. People who were Republicans didn't want to support anything Obama put forward, whether it was the right thing to do or not. I mean, Republicans should have grasped and you know embraced commercial space in the beginning and they did not because it was proposed by Obama. I think we are now seeing, you know, success breeds support and we are now seeing bipartisan support for that aspect of the program. But what happened to the patriotism that went behind it? I mean, to me, the space program is, is like any branch of the military, you know, including the Coast Guard. It's like saying, hey, we're going to close down the Coast Guard program because there's a couple boating accidents and we're going to shut down the United States Army because of all the accidents in, in boot camp. Like, it's just, it's, 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 a, to me, it's Americana and to shut it down was crazy. Well, first of all, I mean, as I say in the book, the value proposition, um, the Coast Guard, the military, I mean, they are written into, the Constitution in the sense that they are protecting and defending the nation. That is not NASA's um, objective. It legally cannot be a military organization. It's a civil organization. And so its purpose, certainly geopolitical leadership, is a primary purpose. But it, it has to be able to show it is actually leading. And I think that was the issue with the shuttle after a period of time. Those were very old and expensive technology. So if you really want to assure leadership, and that's patriotic, that's not shoring up old things that um, don't have the ability to be sustained in the future. And I, and, I, and I know that the Florida Space Coast has the potential and is showing it now to do more. Yeah. How difficult was it for you? I mean, because you, you've been in this game for a very long time. I mean, you worked with Senator John Glenn back in the early to mid eighties. And that's when you got bit by the space bug. Um, but then you become a, a figure in, in the NASA program, a leader, uh, someone in charge makes decisions. Uh, even in those days though, eighties to nineties, and I'm sure still currently for a woman to be in that position in, in, in that world must've been very difficult when you're sitting here telling people, Hey, look, this is what we need to do. Not what you're saying, what I'm saying. Of course, those were some of the challenges, and I do lay them out in the book. I, I think NASA has come a long way, and the government, um, the U.S. government, is certainly 
working to embrace uh, gender equality as is NASA. I think a lot of my struggles were perhaps because I, I wasn't in the lead. So yes, I had a leadership position, but I was deputy. And so it was easier to criticize me and my ideas um, because the head of NASA at the time, a shuttle astronaut himself, wasn't embracing the um, president's program that that was change and change. You know, it's always hard. And I, I'm just thrilled that we are now seeing that, you know, those who um, were willing to embrace this eventually are seeing the fruits of their labor. You say in your book, many who disagreed with my views attacked me with vulgar gendered language. You've been called an ugly whore, a motherfucking bitch, so on and so forth. I mean, that's harsh. I mean, like this day and age to hear that, that somebody said those things to you in the workplace is ridiculous. Well, these were not things that had to be my NASA people. Well, not necessarily. But, yeah, the the communication today, this is a, we all know, a backlash um, to having female leaders. It is a backlash to people feeling we are somehow threatening others uh, who deserve to be in these positions more. But it's also the Internet, and these were things either sent in emails, you know, shrouded in anonymous uh, messages, and actually to all of Congress, some of that, to say, you know, you need to fire this woman because she's um, not doing the right thing. My issue is, hey, I, I think everybody agrees now I was doing the right thing. We inherited a shuttle program that was retired. We inherited the U.S. agreeing to fly on Russian vehicles to and from the station, and we were able to create something out of that that is now working well. So I think the difficulty is um, why were those attacks personal and gendered? I understand change is hard, but we should have been able to have that debate in a way that wasn't um, laden with that kind of language. Yeah. You talk, talk about the NASA not being, you know, no, it's, it's not a program, a military-esque program, but I find it hard to believe that if we have the capability of going up in space, that, you know, going back to the Reagan years of, you know, the Star Wars program and stuff like that, that countries, not just the United States, have they don't have something in space that's from the military side of things. I know that's like the biggest no-no and it's against all the rules and all that stuff. But if you have the capabilities of doing it, I, I find it hard to believe that countries don't do it. Oh, of, of course, as do we. I'm just saying that's not part of your NASA budget. Um, we have a whole thing called the Space Force now. Yeah. And, of course, the Air Force, the National Reconnaissance Office, our whole uh, organization, our, our Military and industrial and intelligence communities are very much utilizing the vantage of space for military advantage. Um, I'm just saying NASA, mm. as an organization, is a civilian dictated through law. Um, you know, we are supposed to be transparent. We are there, as you said, you know, really carrying um, the hopes and dreams and aspirations of us, not just citizens, but but the world further, we do this first. We were founded because it was more of a soft power way to show democracies are a really good way to advance science and technology. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I'm sitting here while you're talking and thinking like so many, th 
What what are the things that we as a country can rally around? You know, especially now, and and it's so divided. You know, you go, okay, the Olympics, maybe. All right, well, then you have each individual athlete that's got something to say, which then creates the divide, and then your people aren't interested in the Olympics. So the Olympics aren't as patriotic as they used to be. What else do we have? And growing up, remembering the space program, even not in the space race days when I wasn't even born yet, but just after Challenger and and, and then the, the next shuttle, and then this, there was this, everybody was rooting for the same thing. You turned on the television and you were rooting for a successful launch. And then we had capabilities of listening and seeing the astronauts up there. There's not much out there in our country that we're all rooting for. We're all on the same team with, but the space program. And now we don't have that. I would think from a, a propaganda, a patriotic propaganda standpoint, the government would want to push those things. Well, the government does to a great extent. We are spending $25 billion on NASA a year. And those years where you, from your perspective, feel like we were all pulling for that, um, that wasn't necessarily the case. The public is, you know, has diverse opinions, and not everybody believes we should be spending billions of their tax dollars sending people to space. So I think that balance is what you see. That is politics. That's how we make these decisions. And a lot of that's in the book. You know, why do we do this? And what is the value? And why did we rally in the early years and less so now? We are, I I believe, there has been a huge amount of support for the astronauts, again, launching to the space station from the U.S. I know people aren't very aware of the Artemis program, but NASA is planning to send people to the moon again in the next few years. Um, You know, you in Florida are certainly very aware of all that and following it, but most of the country is not. So what is it that we should be doing that can rally us? I think from the NASA perspective, the view of our planet from space has transformed us all. And the more we learn about the Earth from space is a rallying point. Look no further for what we all want to have in our future as a healthy environment that people can continue to exist here. Our children, our grandchildren. Like the space program brings us that. And I think we probably could do a better job sharing how we do that. But there, I, I agree with you, much of space, um, and I say in escaping gravity, the whole point is we got off the planet by aligning, um, amassing a huge amount of talent, all determined to do the same thing. Part of our problem today is we forget how much we really do have in common. And going to space has helped teach us that, and it can do more. Well, that'll all change when an asteroid's coming at us and people are like, well, why didn't NASA do something about that? And, well, we got to send, you know, some oil drillers from wherever, Bruce Willis and his <laughs> friends up there to, to figure this out. You know, like, like there's so many dangers out there and things that we don't know. And, you know, now more than ever, there's more of a buzz with the UFOs and, and you know, even alien life form and other life form and blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the government is talking about it, divulging information. And, you know, you, you kind of go, okay, well, if we're not doing anything to find out what's going on out there, like we were before, we're not rallying behind it. 
we might have problems moving you know forward with stuff that we always just thought was science fiction which we might not it might not be you know what i mean you bet but we are doing as much as not more than ever before in those two areas certainly when i i've been at nasa a total of about 10 years both in the 90s and then from 2008 to 2013 and i describe our asteroid initiatives in a book we we multiplied by 20 times what we were spending on asteroid detection um, at NASA. There, we started a program to demonstrate how we could move an asteroid. Congress didn't agree with it and wanted us to um, do the moon program instead, so that's what is happening. I think on any sort of alien life, whether it be sentient or not, NASA is continuing both to explore potential places where that might exist, as well as I think you're referencing this recent UFO study. Those are things, I mean, NASA has a mandate to utilize the vantage of the atmosphere and beyond to gain knowledge that, you know, will help society. And these are things I agree, you hit on the two that I described in the book, both um, sentient, extraterrestrial beings, any knowledge of that or any knowledge of a real threatening incoming asteroid, uh, that seems like the things that could really rally not just this country, but the world. Of course, Hollywood has a different takes sometimes, but those are things that NASA spends a, a small fraction of their budget on, and people, if they knew about it, might want to spend a higher fraction of that. Yeah. So how real is the asteroid issue for us? I mean, deep impact, Armageddon, all that stuff. Uh, it scares the living daylights out of me. How real is that? Well, depends on your use of us. For us, humanity, over the longer term, it's very real. We have experienced uh, this. We have a history, and we know what killed the dinosaurs. We know we have now archaeologists continue to discover large craters and impact areas from asteroids and comets throughout the Earth's history. It will, if we survive long enough, inevitably happen again and have dramatic negative impacts on humanity and other living um, being, things on Earth. So whether that's going to happen in our lifetime is a, a small chance. But there is a chance, and like you, I think, well, we've got the technology now. Why aren't we fully utilizing it to make sure we don't go the way the dinosaurs? I think NASA is doing a decent job of that, and they um, would love to do more. Part of the issue is who, what government agency is really responsible in the U.S. NASA does the surveying, but as far as the technology to potentially move them, and then how would we react to an incoming asteroid threat? How much time we would have would determine some of that, but we don't really have a world governance structure for it. Lots of interesting questions. Yeah, I think we should uh, develop an asteroid program because I got to tell you, just the thought of it scares the living daylights out of me. Looking outside my window and seeing this big ball of whatever coming right at me. 
I know I won't feel a thing, but it's just a shitty way to go out. <laughs> I got to tell you. <laughs> as uh, someone who took my position seriously at NASA, that was a goal of mine as well. And, and we have greatly increased our ability in this regard. Yeah, well, good. Former Deputy Administrator of NASA, Lori Garver, new bombshell book, Escaping Gravity, My Quest to Transform NASA and a launch and launch a new space age. Uh, just fascinating stuff. Nate, you got a question for Lori? Yeah, Lori, I was uh, wondering, what are the thoughts of the privatization of uh, like commercial space exploration where if you look at other industries that have privatized like um, the prison system or healthcare, it seems like kind of profit becomes more important and maybe things slip through the cracks, which obviously you don't want in space exploration. How, is there any like thoughts on how to keep things from happening? Maybe not so nobody's cutting corners just to, to save some money here and there. Sure. Um, I think those examples, those are really more management issues. And this is a driving up technology and innovation and technology. This country at least has always done this in a way that the government led and the industry followed. NASA and industry have been partnered for its entire 60 plus year existence. And when we develop a technology, for instance, things that improve aviation, they are transitioned to the private sector. So you look at that as an analogy, the government doesn't run our airlines. And I really don't think anyone would want them to. We have made for this country just the economics from having um, this industry be U.S.-led is tremendous. And similar for commercial space benefits are already coming to us. So having the private sector be able to launch satellites from this country has won back millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in economic benefit and jobs. Um, If we wanted to just keep launching with China and France and Russia, we could have just kept it within the government, but that would really hurt our economy. So you, you, you've you got Elon Musk's SpaceX, you got Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, and you got Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic. Lori, rank them. Who do you like best? Well, it's not a case of like. Um, mm-hmm. They are who they are as individuals, and the companies do different things. By far, SpaceX is out in the lead as far as space exploration. They are now the fifth largest contractor with NASA. So again, Lockheed, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, maybe Raytheon. I don't know who also is ahead of SpaceX. Um, Still get a lot more of your tax dollars to do NASA work. Um, Blue Origin is quite far down the list on who gets NASA work. And I don't think Virgin Galactic gets any. So Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin are only launching suborbitally, and that is not paid for by the government. Um, The things that Blue Origin is starting to do will eventually have larger rockets that will take, we hope, um, some of the NASA work because competition is a good thing, as you sort of said there with the um, comparisons to healthcare and prisons, we really want there to be checks and balances. And that's something that the competitive forces should help keep someone else from monopolizing 
the markets and charging um, higher amounts. So I think SpaceX is in the lead. Blue Origin is coming along to help uh, provide some competition. And Virgin Galactic is a company that is private. It's looking to fly people on suborbital tourists uh, and research, uh, doing research suborbitally, but it's not in the rank of the other two. But you met all three of these guys, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go back to my question. Who do you like best? <laughs> oh, as people? Yeah. Like, like personally, I, like, I, like, I, like if I said to you, Lori, you had to uh, go to the movies with one, marry one and kill one. All right. I mean, it's a little <laughs> different version of what the I'm real. Not playing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not playing that game. I, you can read the book for the details. Um, I do believe you know richard is older he's got different goals he's been in a lot of different industries he's very charismatic and i've enjoyed my my times with him i think um jeff bezos closer to my age um musk and bezos you just can't imagine being somebody like them who's you know amassing hundreds of billions of dollars there um jeff is probably a little more personable than Elon. Elon is intense, but you know, he's, they're all very interesting. And I had, you know, my window to them is unique because I think most people with them want something from them or feel like, Oh, they could do something for me. And in my relationship with them, they sort of needed NASA, you know, they needed something from me. So um, I haven't talked to any of them in a couple of years, and I, as I as I say in the book, I, I really I relay stories in there because people don't have the full picture. But you don't need to like them as individuals in order to support the companies that they have founded, since they could they could spend their money building their own mansions and things and never invest in anything that helped the United States. And these investments in their aerospace companies really do help the United States. Think of if these individuals were in China, think of these individuals were Russian, like we wouldn't be happy with that. Right. You know, we, we want to be the place where brilliant people come to create new things that can help humanity. Yeah. Have you, have you, have you been to Necker Island? Or did, has Branson? I have not been to Necker Island. Yeah. Um, that my invitation has has not arrived. I, oh, um, really? I've heard stories, and I, again, I really, as a government employee, you're not going to be doing things like that. You know, that would be very untoward. I, when I was with them, we were. I, I remember distinctly going out to Virgin Galactic's new. Uh, it was new at the time in New Mexico, their spaceport America. And Richard Branson flew in on his plane with um, his dignitaries. I was at NASA, and I was invited to speak there at the ribbon cutting. But I flew on a commercial plane into Albuquerque or Las Cruces, can't remember which, and, and drove several hours to get there. I couldn't take a private ride on the jet. Certainly not to Necker Island. But but you were invited. Oh, I was invited. Yeah, yeah, he's... And and uh, declined. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah, I so... went to the event, but I went on, you know, I was paid for it sure. by the public. I, yeah. We really um, need to make sure that 
people are in those jobs for the right reasons that, you know, it, so I got a, I got a economy well, there. Next time you, uh, you know, if you do get invited to Necker Island and you don't want to go, I'll be more than happy to take your spot. You know, I'm a big tennis. Yeah. Well now I'm, I'm not in the government, you yeah. know, so, so you'll go. So be... I, I wouldn't have so, to turn it down now. For, for those that don't know every year, Richard Branson, uh, I believe it's in February, he throws this amazing charity event. Uh, he's a huge tennis fan. And so it's a tennis tournament. It's like a pro-am. And then he has a party. And all these celebrities uh, fly down there to, to have a good time. I mean, it's nothing cr- like crazy. Like, I can't believe they're doing it. Nobody gets paid. Nobody gets paid. And you have the A-listers of A-listers that go down there and just hang out on his island. Uh, and he does it all for charity. And, and it's, 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 it's a phenomenal. I know the people that run it, that, that, that have everything to do with it. Um, I, I'm a Richard Branson fan. I love Richard Branson. I've interviewed him before. And I asked him the question that anybody would want to ask a billionaire. How much money do you have in your wallet? What do you think he said, Lori? Zero. He doesn't carry a wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's so rich. He doesn't care. I asked him. I also, I also asked him, I said, when's the last time you used the coupon? And he couldn't answer the question. He goes, I don't know, man. Because I have no idea. <laughs> I have no, I don't know what you. What is it? But he might have. But he might have growing up, you know, earlier. Sure. So he he is one of his compelling things is you know he wasn't he he wasn't born poor, but he also wasn't born a billionaire. Right. Yeah. I'm just a fan. I like Richard Branson. Jill, do you have a question for Lori? Yeah. Hey, Lori, thank you for talking to us. Um, as soon as you started talking about the Artemis program, I got over here and started Googling. Love that they're introducing the first female astronaut on the moon and the first colored astronaut on the moon. Um, but reading about all of this and just like the cultivation of the moon and stuff, do you think like or what is the full potential for moon cultivation? Do you think it's only a matter of time before we're full-blown living up there driving space cars and cultivating other planets or I, I again we have to as a species survive a while these are multi-generational goals in my view I believe the moon is something that as we know already just from being there six times you know has a very important role to play in our own environment, our tides and so forth, which are critical to life. You know, we're this very unique um, set of uh, planet moon system here. And people are going to have a lot of scientific reasons to go to the moon. And as we are able to lower the cost to do that, you can imagine people going there for the fun of it, you know, for vacation. Um, you look at the most unique and difficult places to explore on this planet, people ultimately are doing that. So there are resources on the moon that could be utilized to help us develop that. They could be utilized to help us understand how to go further. The moon will ultimately, I believe, be a base where people can utilize it. Just think of the view, you have this beautiful view of Earth from the moon. Uh, One-sixth gravity can inspire a lot of fun things that you could do on the moon. Um, but most people who think long-term settlement, you have to go farther to Mars is the only, the closest planet we have 
where at least in there, and it's one-third gravity, um, a thinner atmosphere, there are people who believe you could develop Mars for um, a longer-term habitat. Ultimately, for humans to survive over the millennium, you would have to leave the solar system because we know that the sun won't last forever. So these are, the, the, these, as I said, multi-generational visions. Wow, that's scary just to think about gazillion years from now, no sun in the sky, and everything gets cold, dies, including us or whoever's left. And they'll go, man, did you hear that podcast from 500 years ago with that dude and the lady and the NASA? And they told us, they said to do something about it, and they didn't listen. Uh, Nate, do you have another question uh, for Lori before we wrap it up? Yeah, Lori, have you ever had uh, any desire to, to go up into space, or if they asked you, would you, would you want to do that? Well, I uh, talk about this quite a bit in the book because I did have a, um, I was training to go to this International Space Station in Star City in Russia while um, I was not at NASA at the time. So that was a private sector flight. I do not have a reservation for any of these commercial tourist flights right now as a government employee for a lot of my career, not um and I don't have that amount in my wallet, but I would go. And I sort of think as the price comes down in my lifetime, I will have that opportunity and look forward to it. Mm. How about each of you? I, I'm, I don't like flying an hour and a half. So I don't, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of the bumps in the air. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting better. I just saw a video the other day, some flight attendant, she goes, if you have a problem with turbulence, or as they call it, rough air now, think about you being in the middle of jello where you're safe. It's just the jello is going to shake every once in a while when it's bumped. Hmm. I was like, okay, hmm. I'm feeling you when I get on my next flight and have to go through a freaking sandstorm like I've been through uh, and, and about almost had a heart attack. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about jello. Nate, I think it's a no question, no doubt you're, you're in, right? Yeah, I'd even do the the Mars one where you're, you're never coming back. I think that'd be awesome. Wow. Whoa. Hardcore. Well, Jill, you out of here? I'm with you. I'm terrified of flights, but I think I wouldn't be able to pass up the opportunity. Oh, I could. I'd be like, hey. I'd be terrified the entire time, but damn, it would be cool. <laughs> what, what, what's, uh, in your opinion, Jill, I mean, uh, Lori, what's the, what's the most accurate space movie out there? Uh, Apollo 13. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I had a feeling, I, I thought you were saying like, like, like I, you were talking, like Nate was like, I'd move to Mars. Like that, that was that passenger movie with uh, Chris Pratt. And that, yeah, no, that's not it. No, <laughs> that's not love that movie. All right. So, oh, uh, I know. I mean, I do love these movies, just not for their realism. I know that, you know, Matt Damon going the Mars um, movie was a lot of us in the space business appreciate how much they put in there that was um possible armageddon. gravity not so much armageddon no deep impact <laughs> i loved armageddon yeah. i loved armageddon who cannot like it, it's interesting um you know that's not how nasa would react but it's a great movie yeah i always cry at the end when uh, what's his name we've interviewed him gets off and he's like excuse me ma'am i'd like to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. Oh my God. Every time I just said, I get goosebumps. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Mary. what do you say to people that say the moon landing was faked? What do you tell them? 
I don't really know how to best address that other than how many people would have had to be in on it. How how likely is it that you could keep that a secret from so many people? Um, hundreds of thousands of people worked on the program, okay, but even those just managing the mission itself, um, it would be impossible. I know James Cameron has a whole bunch he's written about how we couldn't have faked it. Our film technology wasn't even good enough at the time. Mm. I mean, there's lots of good reasons, but knowing Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, and Mike Collins will also show you, I mean, these are people of integrity, not to mention all the other Apollo astronauts and so forth, uh, who would just never, ever go along with that. Those guys would get defensive, you know, of... And probably, and rightly so. And, I understand. Yeah, yeah, and probably even you know uh, John Glenn, rest his soul. You know, you ask him questions about this type of stuff, and you know, you know, what was a guy said something? What was it Buzz Aldrin punched him? I think <laughs> this old man just punched him. Yeah, Buzz, Buzz was the one who punched him, one, and he gets it a lot. And it is, as you can understand, it's, it's personally upsetting, not just for yourself, but all the people you've worked with in your career. You know, that's the thing about working at NASA and Escaping Gravity as a, as, as a book talks about some of the things that I would do differently. And it's because I care so much about the really great women and men who work at that agency and are doing it to better humanity. And they deserve, you know, the right leadership, the right goals. They deserve public support for what they're doing. And people saying you faked it is very offensive them as you might understand hopefully yeah is there within nasa is there a protocol if we're we have a alien visitation not an invasion but you know the aliens come in they land like hey we're here is there a protocol like is there something in the nasa manual that says all right this is what we do first we send out the welcome wagon we've got some flyers we've got a marching band is there something like that in a book <laughs> well, NASA is the scientific organization that would help identify you know, as much as, as possible working with our international community of space agencies if such an entity were, um, you know, in outer space. I think something that comes here, what NASA's protocols are about is contamination from space, and you know those those are things that we do have manuals for, um, as well as we don't want to contaminate other worlds. But as far as I knew, as deputy administrator, there is not. I I had a contingency book for a number of our own missions, but I didn't have one that said um, alien life comes in and lands at the Capitol. I think there would be, I, I always sort of look forward to a NASA role in the bigger picture. And NASA does have a role because of our satellites in a lot of really interesting things. I will say that. Yeah. I think they're already here. It's like very men in black. Mm -hmm. They're already here. They live underwater. They've been here before us and all the hieroglyphics from back in the day of things in the sky, you know, not to rain down on the religious parade, but I think they were spaceships, you know, that people were seeing. The dragons, they were spaceships. They weren't dragons. Dragons don't exist. That's silly. Aliens do, though. 
That's not silly. That's just my thought. Lori, would you agree I with that? I think it's very, I, I think it's very <laughs> unlikely that we are the only life form yet yeah. that's ever um, evolved to the extent that we can do space travel. And so that would be, mm-hmm. you know, the key to being visited yeah. is, you know, where are we in the evolution compared to other um, civilizations? And I think we're getting to the point certainly the web telescope that we're all excited about the results coming in here first photos in the next few days. Um, as, as we evolve to be able to see farther and to understand what we're looking at, I, I think it is quite likely we will run into other beings who have similar capabilities. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's probably an excellent thing that we are, um, you know, we, Nothing, as we were saying earlier, bring, would bring us together, I think, like like contact yeah. that would be verified. There's just there was just something about the patriotism that we're missing, that the, the rally around, you know, the last time, you know, people post 9-11 was it. Unfortunately, we have to go through something as horrific as that, even the Challenger explosion. You know, the, the nation rallied around. But, you know, my parents, um, your parents, you know, when the the first moon landing, I mean, that you couldn't get more patriotic during those days, you know, uh, and the, the administration and the, the space race and all that good. So it was us against Russia, you know, that kind of stuff. It was it was it was good. That's good. It's good for the human soul. Anyway, um, the new. Sure, bomb- but, you know, there were protests at the Apollo launch. Um, of people who did not believe that's where the government should be spending its money. So we, I, I have a chapter uh, called Modern Myths, and, you know, the, the mythology of some of that is bigger than what happened itself. And look no further than, you know, someone like me, who, who we were not even a part of that program and couldn't have been. Uh, so it's, um, it's something that I believe, continues to get better. We are, when we return to the moon, going to be uh, doing it in a way that is hopefully more peaceful and more equitable. And that's something that hopefully even more people can rally around. All right. Well, the new bombshell book for everybody, Escaping Gravity, My Quest to Transform NASA and a Launch and Launch a New Space Age is out. Buy it where books are sold. We have a good track record, by the way, Lori of our audience buying books from our guests, which is astounding. Oh, to me. excellent. Yeah. I think that's great. Former deputy administrator of NASA is Lori Garver. We can't thank you enough for all the time you've given us. That is fascinating information. So thanks so much uh, for all the time, Lori. Thank you for having me. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Look, my wife sells houses for a living, and she always tells her clients that are selling their house, if you want to upgrade your property value, you got to do something with the kitchen and or the bath. And you don't have to be selling your house to upgrade the kitchen and bath. It's just something nice to do, and it upgrades the property value tremendously. That's why I'm telling you about UCI Kitchen and Bath, which has been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator, plus installer for the past 20 years, servicing all of Georgia, parts of Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. It is a one-stop shop for you. You can pop into their showroom in Norcross, Georgia, 
and you can see their design team, meet their design team, and watch how they'll transform your kitchen and bathroom into this beautiful and functional environment to fit your personality, right? Uh, plus all the latest trends. They've got displays there. So it might give you some good ideas. It's a one-stop shop. As I said, UCI Kitchen and Bath also provides installation, whatever you buy. Let's save you some cash. Mention the BS, you get 10% off regular-priced countertops. So save some money. Mention the Bailey Show podcast, 10% off regular price countertops ucigranite.com david hawks owner of rockland contracting would like to thank all of you two percenters for making this year such an amazing year for his business veteran owned established in 2009 david hawks is slammed all because of you two percenters specializing in deck design and build also basement remodel new hvac installation uh, interior and exterior painting as well so with rockland contracting so busy because of you they're taking appointments for next year get a hold of them 678-879-3867 678-879-3867 or rockland contracting llc.com He's also looking for anyone that needs a job. $20 an hour is where you start. Previous experience like deck building or framing a must. So you can get a hold of David Hawk, 678-879-3867. Look, I know what it's like to start up a small business and run a small business. That's what this is. What can you do to take the next step? Create Graphics can help you out with that. They're a full-service graphics company that specializes in graphic design, and they've got some really good ones in-house. Wide format printing and graphic installation. Specializing, again, in vehicle wraps, corporate events, interior and exterior events, graphic design, and apparel. A lot of the stuff of the BS Podcast, if not all the stuff, comes from Create Graphics. CreateGraphics.net. That's C-R-E-A-T-E. G-R-A-P-H-I-X dot net or 770-369-9962. That's 770-369-9962. Serving Metro Atlanta and shipping worldwide. Create graphics. They definitely know what they're doing. Excellent customer service and communication in every project will get a one-on-one experience from start to finish. Again, create graphics with an X dot net. Son of a bitch. I'll be loving you forever, just as long as you subscribe to The Bailey Show. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear, then get a full seven days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. This episode of The BS... Presented by Mac Development Group. For those of you looking to build your dream cabin or mountain home in Western North Carolina, got to get a hold of these guys. One-stop shop. Talking about land acquisition, design, general contracting, and the build. MacDevelopment.com. M-A-C-K development.com. All right. Let me give uh, a little bit of a podcast and pours two updates from what? Why is that funny, Brandon? What are you laughing oh, at? Just, what, what, no, I was just like excited. Like, tee hee. Yay. Like, I, a little, I, a little I, snippet. I see you what in you? our little boxes and, and, and like, I don't know what you're are you laughing at me. Did I do something funny? Am I funny to you? Did I do something funny? Is Nate funny? Is it funny that he's almost 40 years old because today's his birthday? Are you laughing at his age? Is he old man Nate? What are you laughing at? 
<laughs> I was excited, you know, for the details of podcasts and pours too. You sound like uh, good fellows, though. Am I a funny guy? Am I a funny guy? What are you saying? I'm a funny guy. That's where I got the line. Of course. Oh, yes. Okay. I often rip movies off. Uh, so I don't have much. Uh, all that I all that I can tell you as of right now is we should be able to announce uh, everything here shortly. We are pushing it back, and um, it's going to be bigger. And the one thing that I was worried about is no longer a worry anymore tentatively. Does that help? Does that make anybody excited about it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, no. I, I can't, I, I don't want to say everything. Be, I don't say anything almost because, you know, it, it got pushed back last time for, for things that were out of our control, but it was a good thing that it got pushed back because now we can do something bigger which is what I've wanted. You know, again, I'm looking for between a thousand and 1500 people for this event. And, you know, I don't know if a thousand or 1500 people want to come out just to see us, but uh, for what, as far as entertainment that will provide for you, I definitely can see you coming out for that. And the reason to come out, I definitely can see you come out for that. So um, Nate will fly in from Playa del Carmen, Mexico, for the event, as he did for Podcast and Pours 1, uh, because everybody wants to see old Nader Taters. The old... You, you worried about uh, almost being 40? <laughs> nah, not really. It's just... Uh, just an, I know it's cliche. It's just a number. It just... I, I don't get... Like, I like to do things for my birthday, but I don't, like... I don't get sad about it, and I don't get, like excited where I'm doing shit for like a month or anything like that. It's just, it's a birthday. Well, for those that say age is just a number, you're lying to yourself. I mean, yes, literally it is a number, but you can't fight, you know, your body changing as you get older. It just, it happens and you start to see the effects. Um, you know, I don't know what you've seen. I know I've seen a lot, uh, just the little things here and there, difference, eyesight, that kind of thing. As soon as I turned, what was it 46? I'm 47 now. When I turned 46, my eyes went. I mean, they didn't go completely, but I got to wear glasses now for, for reading and stuff. It was crazy. And I had perfect vision my entire life. Never wore glasses, contacts, never need anything. Uh, perfect vision. You know, I, they, they'd always try to get me to do uh, endorsements throughout my career for, you know, those LASIK people or these IP. I'm like, I don't need it, you know. Um, I can't go there and lie. I'm like some people that, you know, talk about eye companies and that pretty much ruined their eyesight and they wanted to sue them. And now they tell people to go to them. It's like the biggest crock of shit ever. I just want to scream to the mountaintops. What a fucking lying hack. Uh, but I could never do it. And then, you know, at 46, I just uh, lost my eyesight. And, you know, so I've got fucking glasses in every goddamn room of my house. My wife has to carry them in her purse. So I don't know what your situation is, but maybe give it a couple more years and you're going to be calling up Mr. Mr. Nate and asking him for some eye advice. Now, I mean, I've worn contacts for 10 years probably. So oh, I didn't even yeah, know that's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I've always worn contacts. Um, so yeah, it's not really a big deal for me. Um, Cause I, I'm used to wearing them and I, I don't really wear glasses. I'm sure I will probably in the future when I just, when I can't see my eyeballs to put in the contacts. This, <laughs> this is your first birthday in Mexico though, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 It what, is. What was it? What's the difference? Do you get, do you get prizes or you get plans or what? 
Well, no, I'm in uh, Mexico City, um, and this morning I went on a hot air balloon um, over uh, some some ancient ruins and some pyramids and stuff. Well, that's pretty neat. So, you know, typical 39-year-old birthday. <laughs> Fucking ruins. <laughs> <laughs> well, those, those ruins in Mexico are fantastic. Like, the, the culture, the history, everything about the the past of Mexico and the Mayans and all that stuff, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, like, you really could go back to the beginning of everything out of Mexico and the Mayans. I mean, the, the, the very fascinating, I mean, they were smart. It was a smart community of people. Yeah. Well, and that's what, like, we we don't really think about, like, our country is only a couple hundred years old. These, these civilizations, same thing when I went to Egypt, like, these civilizations were around for thousands of, like, we can't even fathom, you know, like, kings and, and rulers and stuff that ruled over the area that we lived in thousands of years ago it just uh, it doesn't compute for you know our country because it was so old or so young yeah we think that you know we made it <laughs> it's ours <laughs> nothing was before <laughs> us y'all are lucky to be around and talk about whatever it is that you're talking about because we're here mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> well that's why i talk about saying we're the best country in the world or the best ever and i'm like you know there were a lot of uh other regimes that re- like rose and fell in thousands of years that, you know, were before us and after us. So we don't want to be one of those statistics. So let's, let's keep improving. Let me find, Oh, here it is. Uh, MIT predicted in 1972 that, hold on. Peter's running a little slow. MIT predicted 1972 that society will collapse this century and research shows we're on schedule. So it's great that we kept that schedule. Uh, <laughs> new study shows, yeah, we're on track. MIT research, uh, back in the early 70s, MIT researchers predicted that our society would collapse at some point in the 21st century. They used a system dy- dynamics model to identify impending limits to growth. They found that our industrial civilization was on track to collapse in the century we are now living in because of over-exploitation of our planet's resources. You know, now you'll get half the world that'll read this story and say, you stupid tree huggers, that's a dumb story. It's just propaganda. You know, continue to go out there and use the resources. They're never ending. Then you got the other half that are like, uh, guys, um, don't want to be the person that when it's all said and done, this is I told you so, but we're getting close. Uh, sustainability and dynamic system analysis led at KPMG accounting firm Gayla Harrington decided to have a rerun of data to see if their prediction still held up. She found that they do. What's worse, she found the societal collapse is closer than ever within the next two decades, she says. Next two decades of societal collapse on the brink of collapse. Different variables. Uh, she found the following tend to be the most important uh, identifying the key ones to which society hinges on, which would be population, fertility rates, mortality rates, industrial output, food production, services, non-renewable resources, persistent pollution, human welfare, eco- uh, ecological footprint. So it's not just about the tree hugger stuff for you non-believers in, in climate change. It's uh, uh, numerous things. Human welfare probably in my opinion, being, I don't, they're all very important, but it's how we treat each other. And, and you know, it's, you got to get along before you go along kind of thing or go along before you get along, whatever the saying is, is 
right now everybody hates each other. So that just, you know, you have people that have no problem pulling out guns and shooting their fellow American or Canadian or whatever in, you know, I mean, there was a fucking guy shot the prime minister in Japan and they've got like one of the strictest gun rules in the world, Australia. There was another, there's something over there in Australia that happened. So people are just going fucking nuts. Well, for whatever reason, do you think they mean society collapsed as like a whole or just like certain countries? I can't imagine everybody, like the entire planet just collapsing. I could see some certain societies, maybe. It doesn't specify. You know, everybody, this is a common cliche thing to see on Facebook now is like, I got to tell you, there's a lot of similarities between the fall of the Roman Empire and what we're going through in the United States right now. I got to tell you. Are, are you a history teacher? No, I'm a plumber. But I've got to tell you, you know, you keep shit like this in the White House. You keep fucking having a board, you know, whatever. You know, it's always the opposite of what's happening is yeah. what's to blame. You know, the left would say the exact same thing, you know, a couple of years back. Well, society's going to shit, you know, fucking spending all of our money on a fucking wall. I mean, so everybody's blames the power that's in place at the time versus trying to, even if you don't agree with the power in place at the time, trying to find the good in the power at the time. Because that's all you got. You're not going to be completely satisfied with 100% of who's who's pulling the strings, right? You know, we're, we're not, and this is fact, we're not, you know, that powerhouse of a country that we used to be. There's many other countries that are surpassing us it's because they're fucking getting along a lot better than us. <laughs> it's like we're working together. They're making shit happen. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years. I just hope it changes. You need a, you need somebody that, to come into office to bring everybody together, that knows what common ground is, that just doesn't push what everything they believe as a single person on the masses. Um, you know, and who, who that is, I don't know. Uh, I don't care what party you are. If you're that guy or that girl, you got my vote. You know, anybody that I think can bring the country together, that's who I'm voting for next go around. Yeah, I I don't even know if that's a possibility anymore. If they, I think we've never dealt with the internet and, and mass media and social media and everything with, um, you know, politics and, and world issues and stuff before uh, ever. And I think it's just, it's gotten too far away from us. There's, too much you, you can if the, there's one way you think there's all there's another article you can find that'll say the exact opposite there's no checks and balances or anything so you could have like the best most you know bring us together type of guy but there's still going to be people putting out shit on the internet convincing people that they're the devil you know from wh- whichever side uh, i just i think we're fucked <laughs> the most promising scenario is another one altogether. It's called the stabilized world or SW scenario. In this scenario, they follow a sustainable path, which leads to the smallest declines in economic growth. This involves a combination of investments in public health and education, as well as technological innovation, you know, and it, you know, for people that think that this is just happening because of the last two years or six years or 10 years, even, you know, it, that's not the, that's not the case. I mean, we've we've d- made a lot of dumb moves um, out of ego and power tripping for decades. 
It's it's whoever goes in office wants to cancel out whoever was in office before stuff so they can say they are the hero. And it's all about ego versus about us. And it sucks. You know, we got to find somebody for the people, somebody that that that, that cares about us. Um, but I don't know if you can find that on either side, to be honest with you. I think they're I think they're all fucking ego maniac power tripping scoundrel scumbags. Um you just need some regular Joe off the street. You know, hi, I'm Bob. I'm running for president. I just want everybody to get along hired. Yeah. Well, just nobody nobody wants to do anything. Everybody's like lazy until it's too late. You know, whatever it is. I mean, like, let's just say, let's just say global warming or whatever climate change is a fact. No, we're not doing a lot. If if we are like ruining the planet, we're not doing a whole lot to to save ourselves. Um, Because people still argue about it. I mean, people argue about everything. It's just, it's so tiring. What, what if, what if there's like the perfect candidate for president of the United States this next go around and he pulls what we see every business going through right now and goes, look, you guys just aren't paying enough. <laughs> $400,000 a year just is not enough for me. I'm sorry. You you make that 800,000. We have a deal, but I can't do it for four. I know everybody wants me and I'm the best candidate and I can do all these things, but I don't want it. <laughs> Nobody wants it. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, yeah, you, you, you have to have a huge ego to want to do that kind of job. Cause it, it seems terrible. It seems like they just ruin your life and your family and your age. I mean, you know, the president's always look 50 years older after they get done. It's just, I don't know why I'd want that job. Well, what I was told Bush, uh, Bush too was did, did not want the job. He was kind of forced into it, and 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 he had zero ego. Like he did not like being president. You know, he didn't like the celebrity behind being president. I mean, if you remember, the first couple years was really lackluster. He didn't do shit, and then nine eleven hit, and that was a totally different ball game. And there was an agenda, and we were all together, which made him look like a hero. All the times he fucked up words and did stupid shit and yacked at, you know, big dinners. That was just null and void. You know, we had bigger problems on our hands. Uh, and we came together for that. But and I, I got that information from somebody that was on his Secret Service detail. So they said that, you know, they, and they had done Secret Service for uh, Bush Senior, you know, Bush 1, Bush 2, Clinton, uh, Obama. And I think Obama was the last one. Um, said uh, Clinton loved to be president, though. Shocker. You know, hi, I'm Bill, yeah. I'm, hey, I'm Bill Clinton. Oh, whatever his voice is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm president of the United States. A uh, big thank you to everybody that listens, whether you're a premium two uh, percenter and you subscribe to the commercial free plus episodes and the giveaways that we have, like the weekly pontoon brewing beer and so on and so forth. Uh, or just a listener of the podcast, you found us somehow, shape, form, or fashion, and you listen to the Monday through Friday commercial-filled episodes. Either way, thank you. We just hit a milestone of 400,000-plus plays slash downloads, whatever you want to call them, um, which has surpassed the goal that I had set. And maybe I was undercutting us or under... I don't know what the word would be... Um, Estimating, yeah, underestimating what we can accomplish, I guess maybe. But you know, I wrote a goal list out the day that I got fired, 
And one of the things that I put on the goal list was numbers as far as downloads and stuff that I wanted for the podcast. And uh, we surpassed that in eight months. So that's that's very exciting. And we still have, what, five um, or no, yeah, four well, how much, how much time we have? We have a couple months left in the year. We got plenty of time left in the year. Yeah, you like know. five months, four and a half, five months. Mm-hmm. And so, so we're going to surpass it, which is great. Which means that, you know, for all the content that we put out, 800, I mean, 800, 400 plus thousand people have heard it. That to me is huge. To know that number is, is to know that's a real number. Uh, radio lies to us, including the talent, mainly the talent by making us think that more people are listening than what they are. You know, radio is broken down into demographics, which is the breakdown, 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 breakdown times 10 of the population. 7 million people in Atlanta, 250,000 are men 25 to 54, and you own 2% of that. Do the math. And you think that you have millions of people listening to you. You do not. I did not. Um, it's very, very, very um, cloudy, I guess you could say. But to know that 400 plus thousand people have listened to us in the past eight months on whatever episodes is, is, is really cool. Also for the advertisers to know that in eight months you've had, if you've been with us from the very beginning, and some of you have, 400,000 people most likely have heard your your brand, depending on on, on, on how you advertise with us. That's, that's a, to me, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. I mean, anyway, cause yeah. What was the, the percentage you said, uh, or how many podcasts are out there? There's a million podcasts. Like literally there are a million podcasts. And if you have, I think the Edison research said, if you have a thousand or more downloads per episode, then you're in the top 10 percentile. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're beating out a probably almost a million people, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, we're definitely in the top ten percent, and then you have the uh, you know you have the top one percent. You know you have the Rogans and you know the Barstools and stuff like that. You know that's that's a that's a different level of podcast. Uh, but anybody can get there. You know you just have to have the support, and you just have to people have to find you. That that's the problem with the internet: people finding you. You you think it'd be easier, you know, easier said than done. Um, you know, and this is a different type of podcast. This isn't a niche podcast. I mean, I know the good, bad, and the ugly is kind of niche, you know, with the news and the top three is kind of niche with the top three and the, the black cloud is niche, but it's personalized to me. And, you know, most of the world's not going to know who I am, but the, the Monday and Friday shows are bigger shows that we get the most uh, plays on. Uh, it's like a radio show and, and podcasts aren't normally radio shows. Podcasts are niche for a specific subject, true, true crime, do it yourself, relationships, blah, 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 blah. They're all very, you know, hire a celebrity because you're automatically going to have downloads because people like fill in the bank blank celebrity, even though they don't know how to have a fucking conversation. And it's absolutely horrible. It doesn't matter because they're a celebrity. And that's what companies like the Westwood ones and the, the premieres, they spend money on that because they don't care about the content. They just care about the downloads and the payday. You know, they don't want to, um, they don't want to cultivate any, any content with content creators. They want to get their money quick and fast with a name and then 
ride it until the wheels fall off, which is usually sooner than later, right? So, you know, we've had some fantastic guests on here, but have you seen any of what our guests have said, which have been phenomenal things that I know they haven't said anywhere else uh, on, on Bro Bible or anywhere else? I mean, that's all up to us and maybe, you know, the, the diehard two percenters to say, hey, let me share this with some of these sites and see if they pick it up to help these guys out. Because this is all a grassroots thing. You know, unlike radio where you think you can control everything and you almost kind of want to come across like you control everything. Podcasting is different. This was taught to me by uh, Dan from Tom and Dan. He says, you want to go to your audience. You want to ask them to help you because a podcast audience feels like they're doing it with you. And I hope that's the case. I think that's the case with us. You know, so if you can help us out, help us out, you know, so it's a little bit, it's a lot different, actually, a lot different. Yeah, yeah, especially with, like, the community that we have, like you are saying, it's, you know, not a lot of the niche, well, some of the nichier ones do, but, you know, it's not, it's not a common thing to have, like, a group of followers like we do that are so supportive. Yeah. Brandon, what did you get, uh, Nate, for uh, his uh, 39th birthday? I sent him some cash because I don't know how to ship stuff to Mexico, and Nate said not to do that. 20 bucks? Fifty. Did you really? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. That was nice of him, huh? Yeah, that's a good gift. Would you Would you rather me send you cash than the smart bird feeder? Um. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why is that funny? I, I thought the smart bird feeder was a great idea. How many people do you know have a smart bird feeder? I'm sorry. How many people do you know that have a smart bird feeder? Well, would have been two if you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. They're not in high demand, I think, for a reason. <laughs> they're very cool, but. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They're, they're going to catch on. We're going to go through a smart bird feeder trend here. Do you know how many people have bought a smart bird feeder because of me and posting it on social media? Amazon. Zero? Am, no, I, I think it's been at least three. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're selling out. Amazon, Amazon's on a back order. The smart bird feeders. <laughs> I, here's a, here's a true story. I was so excited. I'm still excited about smart bird feeder, but the day that I put it all together and I, I couldn't get off of it the entire day, I'm sitting there watching these birds eat my bird feed on my phone. I just thought it was the coolest thing. I actually researched how I could purchase like a thousand of these things. Like if I can buy them in bulk and resell them and get into the smart bird feed, because I'm always looking for an investment. I was like, I'm going to get into the smart bird feeder business. <laughs> this is I want to put my core caddy on it or something. You know, I was like, put the BS podcast on there. This is going to be great. Um, but I decided not to go that route. Mm. Nate, would you ever uh, run with the bulls and Pamplona? Pamplona? Um, that seems like something you'd do. Brandon, I know you'd do it. You're an idiot. <laughs> I feel like I'd want to be at the, the front of the line though. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, I I'd want to do it, but I'd want to know the, I don't really know like all the rules, um, or like the, the procedure, Run. like how, how far are you running? You know, like, can you, I see some of them will jump up into a window or up a, up a balcony or something like that. Why well, I'd need to know all the rules. I don't want to just get mauled for no reason. That's not fun. I want to make sure I have a, a running start or something. Or get mauled at, in general. I mean, <laughs> like, no, I, I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. I just think it's the dumbest, dumbest thing. And, and the tradition behind it, how it started, is really not that glorious. 
Like it, it, the, the idea behind the, the running of the bulls started many, many years ago in Spain where uh, for the bull fights, they would usher in the bulls, but they'd have to find a way to usher them in. So they would get somebody to, you know, run their ass off and the bulls would follow them. And then it became a game really just out of who's got the biggest balls and, and, and then they started turning it into a competition amongst themselves. Uh, and that's how it started. And then it became this phenomena where people from all over the world go out to, to Spain to run with these bulls. And all as you see is the, the pictures of people getting gored, like this guy from Florida flew all the way out there. Like, I, I, I just, when you're done, and let's say you get through it, not being gored and you come home, is this something you just brag about and look like a total fucking putz? Oh, my name's Bill and I ran with the bulls. What's your name? I'd like to shove my gore stick up in you. I mean, like, what do you do? Nobody gives a fuck if you survive the running with the bulls. You're not any tougher uh, to anybody else. I mean, I guess, it has to be a personal thing, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Oh, I, I would think you were tougher. If I saw one of my friends, you know, I'd be like, holy shit, that's pretty fucking cool. I mean, even just running a marathon, you're like, wow, look, that guy ran 26 miles. If he ran and then also had bulls chasing you, that's pretty cool. But you only see the videos of people getting mauled. I mean, how many thousands of people don't get mauled? Yeah, no, no. If it's your friend, yes, you would say, like, if you ran with the bulls, I'd be like, that's cool, Nate. That's, that's badass that you did that. But if I didn't know you and I met you in a bar and I could care less about you, and you said, I, you know, you're trying to come across as this tough guy and you prove it with your resume of running with the bulls. I think you're a fucking flake. Like it doesn't do it. Like I, you're not to me, if I don't know you any better of a person because you ran with the bulls, I would give somebody that ran a marathon more credit actually. Why? That's not even dangerous. I mean, I, I would, even if I met somebody at the bar, I didn't know, I like, we're just chit-chatting and he says that i'd be like oh that's pretty cool yeah if he's trying to be like a tough guy then i'm like okay well he sounds like a douche anyway it's not just the bull thing um but i think it's kind of a cool thing i would i I don't know if um you know i'm gonna like bow down to him or anything but i'll be like oh wow tell me about it how you know how that happened did you get did you get mauled or anything it's a good story starter i think you know it's funny is they didn't do it i think for the last two years because of COVID. The bull running with the bulls <laughs> couldn't do it because of the COVID. Couldn't they just put masks on the bulls? Come on. How many people do you think have died since uh, 1910? I guess that was the the first running of the bulls. Uh, 110 years. Mm-hmm. I would say at least one person half half of those years. So maybe like 50. I was thinking 78. 78 and 50. 16 people. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. That's not bad. Last death in 2009. Doesn't say how many people have disabilities because they had a horn go through their side. Yeah, or their butt. Oh, God, can you imagine? I think that's happened. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Really? I mean, on you on YouTube. But, yeah, because the bull, I mean, even just the what are the little bullfighter guys. The radio clowns? Yeah, or, yeah, or the radio, uh, the rodeo clowns. Um, yeah, you see them because they always put their head down and then flip them up. And a lot of times that horn will either go up their butt or it goes in their underwear and then they're hanging by their whitey tidies by the bull horn. (laughs) 25-year-old runner from Sunrise, Florida was gored in the calf in the bull ring. This is this year's. Uh, The other two gored were Spaniards. Told you that was a word. One in the ring and one on the street. None was in serious condition. 
the proper. Yeah, because they're, they're from Spain. People from Spain are called Spaniards. I know. That's what I say. You guys always tell me. Well, you you talk about anybody that speaks Spanish as a Spaniard. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. That's, that's right. a Hispanic. Yeah. Ugh, racist. <laughs> uh, three other runners, all Spaniards, were treated for injuries sustained in falls during the run. <laughs> you get injured falling. <laughs> like, if you're going to do it and you're going to get injured, you better be gored. Don't be the guy that trips and falls and that's your injury from running with the bulls. You know, oh my God, I stubbed my toe when I jumped up on the fence to, to get away from the bull and oh, my big toe is just killing me. <laughs> yeah, that's like being discharged from the military and it's like nothing to do with combat. And you're like, yeah, I, I was at a bar in the Philippines and I just, you know, broke my neck. Sorry. <laughs> at, at least at least Forrest Gump got shot in the ass, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. At least he took a bullet. Uh, obviously, I could never do that. Brandon, could you do this, the running with the bulls thing? Well, I felt a whole lot better since only 16 people have died since it started. I feel like my odds are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, well, you got to be smart, right? And jump on the fence if the thing's coming too close to you. Yeah, I've been around the cows a good bit. Actually, this one time we were, like, giving cows uh, shots, bulls, and one of them come running straight at me, and I, like, sidestepped it, and it smacked its head into this post. I was like, holy shit, that could have been me. Could have been you. Off. Yeah, could have been you, but it was not you because you're a survivor, Brandon Thrasher. Sidestepped that bull. Didn't didn't they recreate their – I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of places did, but didn't they do one in Atlanta? I felt like we interviewed somebody on the radio that was putting trying to put this on in Atlanta, or at least Georgia. Mm, I don't know. I got the idea from back in the day for uh, those that listen to me in Orlando and even, I think I did it in Tampa, the running of the boobahs. Boobah! Wish I had that sounder. Uh, came from the running of the bulls. The, the whole bit, which was, Brandon, Nate knows what I'm talking about. Brandon, listen to this. One of the most ridiculous radio bits ever. But you can't tell me that anyone else was doing it. <laughs> Uh, one, uh, afternoon I was doing afternoons at WJRR in Orlando. There was a story of how PETA was trying to cancel the running of the bulls because it's harmful to the bulls, even though there's never been a report of a bull being gored. So, uh, I was taking shots at PETA during those days you could without being protested. And I, and, and somehow came up with the idea of, you know, what would be better is the, you know, this is again, men, 18 to 34 rock radio back in the early two thousands. I said, it would be great as a bunch of uh, women in their bras running around in circles being chased by, you know, something <laughs> just fucking stupid. Anyway, uh, I ended up doing it. I called it running of the, cause I used to call boobs, boobahs, you know, and I had the sounder to go boobah, boobah, people fuck. I know people loved you. you had to be there. And so we would get every year. I mean, we did this for years uh, we, we would get like 20, 30, 40, 50 women to get in their bras and run around. And I just have like characters from my show, chase them. You know, who's the black guy that, uh, we had, he looked like Jamie Foxx, never aged. Great guy. Oh, uh, was started with a T maybe it's a tire. Uh, no, uh, slick. No, 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 no. He's the intern from real radio. This guy goes back to the Gerard days. But he was, you know, he's like, he was there. And uh, we had some little people that dressed as bulls and would chase them around the thing. It was like the fucking dumbest idea, but it all stemmed from the uh, the, the running of the bulls. I remember, I think the, this was the last year I did it. Is I, came, I was coming back from Tampa to Orlando at Real Radio, 
and there was an event which was led by the morning show, which was the monsters. And I mean, I'm trying to make my mark on the station and I'm bringing in all my old bits and stuff like that. And eventually I realized that the audience at real radio was a little bit more advanced and more mature than the younger rock audience. And I couldn't do all the dumb shit that I was doing before. It took me a minute to realize that, but I eventually did. And, uh, I, I said to, uh, I, I said to, uh, Russ, the, the morning show host, and we'd known each other, but this was kind of a thing. I go, um, I go, yeah, I want to do the running in the boobahs or something. He's like, what is that? And I explained to him and, and he said, uh, um, he said, uh, he said, okay, I, I just don't get it. And I was like, oh, trust me, you'll, you'll get it when you see it. So we started doing it. And um, afterwards he goes, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen, dude. <laughs> this is a guy that's done a lot of weird bits. All right, you guys ready for everything's better with fuck? This is an odd one, by the way. You guys ready? You're going to be the judge yeah, and jury? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Whatever we do, it's better with fuck! What? Everything's better with the fuck! All right, so are you ready to give a fuck about your health? Then check out Chef Erica, ericanicoleday.com. She is a wonderful person. Plus, she's experienced culinary medicine consultant and private chef with medical and a high-end restaurant background available for consulting on meal planning for weight loss, helping with medical conditions, strict macros, bodybuilding, fitness training, so on and so forth. She is the tits. I will tell you that. She is the tits. I think that's okay to say. Um, so the uh, Better With Fuck this week is... I. I, I I forgot to go to the Facebook and ask people. I can never find the post that I posted a while back to get ideas. I don't know how I got this. I got it, and I think it works. Uh, Brother vs. Brother Season 1 HGTV. Familiar? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, used, I used to think they were gay when I was little. I didn't know they were brothers. You'd still be gay and be yeah. brothers. Where's the Property Brothers, right? Same guys? Mm-hmm. Property Brothers. Yep, those two dudes. It was like one brother versus another brother, and they'd have teams and... HGTV and all stuff. I, I love those guys. I think they're phenomenal. I think they're just brilliant. One of them's banging Zoe Deschanel, who's awesome. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Lucky him. All right, so that's that's what this is from. This is the Everything's Better With Fuck. So you guys, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best. Uh, I've got uh, four clips, four clips for you. Here we go. And I'm mentoring Team Drew. We have David, the landscape architect, Brett, who's in real estate, Monica, an interior designer, Oliver, who works at an architectural firm, and I've got the fuck organizer on my team, Christy. Everybody likes a good fuck organizer. Uh, organizer. I can see Brandon liking the first one. Uh, Nate, one to ten. What do you think? It was a good one. Um, I'm going to start off with six. It wasn't over overly hilarious, but it was placed very well. Wow, six. That's really low. It's just one above average, Brandon. Yeah, I got high hopes for these, just the way they talk, and, you know, it's kind of newer in the way they, you know, their lingo. But I'm going to start off with a seven on that. Okay, seven. Seven's good. Okay. Here's the second one. I'm happy with the direction we're going. Only thing that will affect them is if they don't fuck. Quick, short, snippy. The only thing that's going to affect them is if they don't fuck. Nate? Uh, in between a five and a six, that was... I thought the last one was better. I should have set the bar a little higher. I'll go six again on this one. Wow, you didn't like that one at all, huh? 
It was just it was so fast. Yeah, well, so I mean, you know, sometimes they're fast. You know, <laughs> Brandon. Yeah, I was waiting for a little more on the back end there. I'm gonna have to give it a six. Oh shit, man! I fucked up this week, didn't I? All right, here's the next one. Just want to like smash some things down and fuck things up and raise the value. Say they're short this week. <laughs> I like that one better. I will go seven on that one. Right. I like to fuck things up too. All right, Brandon. <laughs> I'm going to go with a seven also. Okay. Well, that one's in the lead. We only got one left. Jesus. All right. The biggest question on everyone's minds was Shannon. Shannon. Where's Shannon? Everybody is absolutely covered in debris right now, and I'm wondering where is Shannon? We need to work as a team, otherwise, we're not going to win this. And where was Shannon disappearing to? Shannon's up. Oh, my gosh, I love it. Oh, sorry, got for, I missed the end, but I have a feeling that might win anyway. Nate, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going on eight on that one, and I missed the end, so I want to hear it again anyway. So, yeah, I'm going eight. I forgot yeah. I, I forgot I had an end-end. Uh, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, that was the best one. We get eight. All right, eight. There we go. All right, congratulations <laughs> to clip number four, and you get to hear it again. Here we go. The biggest question on everyone's minds was. Shannon. Shannon. Where's Shannon? Everybody is absolutely covered in debris right now, and I'm wondering where is Shannon? We need to work as a team, otherwise we're not going to win this. And where was Shannon disappearing to? Shannon's up. Fuck! Oh my gosh, I love it. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. All right. Happy birthday, Nader Tater Vaders. Enjoy your uh, your trip. Enjoy your birthday in Mexico. Um, what did the wife get you? Did she get you anything nice? Uh, no, we just decided we're, we're doing our trip. So, I mean, she's going to take me out to dinner tonight, basically. Um, so we're trying not to do gifts. We're just traveling. Do a little lovemaking, a little Mexico lovemaking. Arr, that's a plan. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> Pirate. <laughs> Pirate. That's my rar. Arr, arr. Oh. This tiger king. Uh, uh, okay, so uh, Nate, you got anything before we get out? Happy Friday, fuckers. There you go. Brandon. Watch out for rogue tiger pirates. There you go. Have yourself a great, safe weekend. If you're going to do some drinking, that's all well and good. But if you've had too much, don't get by the wheel of a car. I've lost way too many friends like that. I think so. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.